Oh, well, you did stand up? <laughs> yeah, but I, then I stopped doing stand up when I <laughs> became <laughs> stand. So it's like, well, that's pathetic. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> oh my God. That's, that is wild. Um, yeah, because your piece, um, I got linked it and I sent it around to like wild a... to me oh, really? I'm like oh people read this <laughs> yeah and then I sent it around to a bunch of my like friends um just you know who are in the idol community and everyone was like she gets it she gets it <laughs> I mean I'm tr yeah I've been I, I, I hope so that has definitely been my hope that it would be relatable not necessarily to 1D fans because I think Unless you've been on my side of everything, like uh, also been, you know, experienced all of that, I think you probably still have so much loyalty and emotional attachment that it's probably not going to resonate. <laughs> like, I can see the defensiveness, you know, yeah. that probably comes. I'm like, I'm not targeting you guys. I'm just going to try to see if it can make sense. Yeah, it definitely rang true to the sort of um, outcast former BTS fans <laughs> that sort of uh, circulate in my orbit um, because, and we can get into this once we get started, but my personal theory is that uh, BTS essentially became the new One Direction in almost all ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that I feel like is insulting to bts <laughs> <laughs> but in the west yes absolutely yeah, yeah. They, there was yeah. a filler simon cowell tried to you know he had a few bands that he was trying to push uh you know horribly because yeah. this is this is a secret well it's not a secret but it's like no one mentions it but basically simon cowell is not a good music person he should never have been running a label his yeah. only success story is one direction this is a label that has fucked over like every single artist that they've had and you could technically include one direction it's just that they've uh they had enough success that they could piggyback off of it right so um well funny right. story about bts and their label is that um it's only had one successful act and mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that act is BTS. Well, 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 well. <laughs> yeah. Well, so on that note, um, why don't we go in with a song? Uh, did do you have something uh, you'd like to start off with, like the perfect One Direction song? Well, um, I really like Louis Tomlinson's solo song uh, "Fearless." All right. Yeah, I have. I still have a hard time listening to One Direction proper. I haven't listened to them in a very long time now. Because it's like, oof, oof. Oh, boy. That, that trauma reaction. Yes. Re like, oh, I yeah. know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's. I mean, I've, I mentioned it a lot in my piece. And I was like, it was embarrassing. And I'm like, I don't know how else to describe it. It feels embarrassing. But it's, there it is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's real. It is real. Yeah. Okay, so we'll go in with Fearless. And I will cut that in here. Tell me the truth. Tell me, do you still remember feeling young, strong enough to get it wrong in front of all these people just for tonight? Look inside and spark that memory of you, strong enough to get it wrong in front of all these people. Feel it, feel it. 
design That car on the drive Then you should feel better than ever But you know as well as I It's all lies Tell me, do you Tell me, do you still remember feeling young? All right, so welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Idol Cast. Uh, hopefully, you know who I am. It's my show, and I am here with a very special guest today. Who? Okay, so I read her piece on One Direction and sort of getting sucked into the fandom, and then getting sort of forcibly pushed out of the fandom. Is that? sort of inaccurate Mm -hmm. okay um yeah and it was really just very clarifying and just so well written and really captured a lot of the fandom experience that you don't hear talked about because it is kind of embarrassing so (laughs) yeah (laughs) so let's get embarrassed together um would you like to introduce yourself sure yeah um my name is monia and i've been in fandom at large since I was about 11. Yeah, and it's been, you know, a bit on and like, you know, varying in degrees over time. And my latest experience with One Direction was very different from what I was used to, um, both from the fandom itself, from the band slash um, HQ slash, uh, you know, the powers that be, whatever we're using as a, as an umbrella term for them, uh, and also myself, like how I was how I was reacting emotionally and getting attached in a very unhealthy way, and then, uh, yeah, I didn't get to lose interest slowly over time or just fall in love with something new. I was, yeah, I was. I I used to call it that I was exiled because that's kind of what it felt like, but I didn't really see it. Like, I see it more as a symptom of what's happening online at large with various fandoms and how everyone is behaving. But at the time, it felt very like, oh, I'm just a horrible person that everyone just hates. And like, you know, it was very personal. I I should probably say that I got into One Direction after they broke up by like a few weeks, (laughs) which is horrifying. Like I've, I just spent a really long time kind of trying to get over things. And eventually I was like, I think I just have to write about it because I'm not getting better. Like, um, yeah, it was like, it's, it was just still so stressful that I was like, I think I just need to sort of get it out and see if anyone else, you know, feels it. Well, let's kind of start at the beginning. Um, because I, I also have been in fandoms for a long, long time. Um, my first big experience um, as like sort of an overwhelming part of being a fan, like really feeling that specifically like that online connection to fandom is I was a Bell and Sebastian mm-hmm. fan in 1999 when they, they had this big push to um, get people to mass vote for the Brit Awards for the best newcomer. 
Was and it called, were they calling it a street team or something? Or was it just no, like... No, it was, it was fan driven. And this was genuinely fan driven out of this sense of belief oh. that we were like really doing something. Yeah. And because what happened afterwards, and I, I had a post on this online, which I had to take down um, when I like wipe my blog um, for reasons we can get into later. But, you know, what happened afterwards was that, so they're, they were on this teeny tiny record label who could not handle the, um, like the attention, the, you know, the increased demand. Um, they just couldn't handle it. Like there were like two people working at this record label and mm -hmm. all these fans had been like, oh, actually we're going to dump all this stuff on you that you can't handle. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it ended up backfiring in a lot, a lot of ways. Um, and I think Bell and Sebastian themselves really did not climb out of that, like, funk until, I would say, like, 2006 or something, when they kind of ditched that really hardcore fan base. Hmm, wow. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where I began sort of my fandom journey. But I came up through, um, you know, I, I read Harry Potter fan fiction, like... I did, um, yeah, Star Trek, and I go to a uh, Star Trek convention every year with my mom, like, um, so that was kind of, and then I got into um, Bollywood stuff, uh, which has its own very extreme fandom, and then um, into, like, idols and, like, idol fandom, which, again, is a very, mm -hmm. like, the Asian idol fandom is very specific which is why I was so shocked when BTS crossed over. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, but the, but those sort of the sci-fi fandoms and all that kind of stuff, like, especially from like the 2000s, a lot of that was like on LiveJournal and it was all very contained. I mean, yeah, because you were, what were your sort of fandom, like your fandom journey? Yeah, I went to, well, so I, the ones that I really was participating online, like with other fans, rather than just, you know, being obsessed by myself yeah. on my blog, were like uh, Roswell, the original Roswell. Oh my God. Okay, yeah. Was, yeah. oh my God, I that had, was my jam. I had friends oh. in that fandom. <laughs> oh. I mean, it was such a tiny fandom, but it also had like that, and I didn't think of it uh, as this at the time, but there was that fan drive as well to get it renewed and it was all of that you know send tabasco bottles to the wb <gasps> to show yes. that we want the show to continue and so it did get renewed uh twice um but what's so funny is i think i think at least one of the actors has been pretty honest let's say honest uh, about how much he was like did not want to still be on that <laughs> show while it was <laughs> And they were like, oh, well, I guess maybe we kind of didn't help. <laughs> um, it's like, oh, well, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and, you know, obviously all of the Buffy stuff, but it was so oh, huge yes. that mm -hmm. I was kind of like at the periphery. Um, yeah, I was definitely yeah. a Buffy fan, but I was, I was not like in fandom. I was just kind of like obsessed on my own. Yeah, exactly. It was, um, it was an easy one to just yeah, like, because there's so yeah. much there. Like, I, I don't need to use, like, this is it. This yeah. Is... Well, and I had real life friends, too, who mm -hmm. love Buffy. So we would get together in, like, the dorm and, like, watch Buffy. 
So yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, Yeah. which it was. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. But Firefly, that was one. That was another one of those intense sort of Mm -hmm. fan-driven fandoms sort of early on. Yeah, that's so true. So true. Yeah. Um, I switched to, well, switched. I sort of, because at one point, once the show is canceled, like how long can you really, (laughs) how long can you really uh, stay? Um, So I sort of hopped on to the Queer as Folk US bandwagon. Mm. Um, Also very late. I'm almost always a latecomer to fandoms. Um, It's just my curse. And that was like, yeah, that was really intense. That was the first time I traveled to meet fans. And I still talk to people that I knew back then. Um, and we still follow each other on Tumblr. I, I like that I'm saying still. We met on LiveJournal. <laughs> but but <laughs> we're now all on Tumblr because no one's on LiveJournal anymore. Uh, yeah, which uh, is sad, tragic. I know, really. but it, it happened. Like, yeah, slow yeah. but fast yeah. somehow. At a well, it was, point, yeah. We th- all locked off. Like, it was just so... It was Weird. when it got sold, right? And then there was this yeah. big move to dream with. Yes, which and, didn't work. Which did not work. And then people kind of just migrated to Tumblr. I'm still fascinated by that. Because it yeah. really was like, here's what you like, but better without yeah. the problems. And people were like, how about this thing that that's like held together <laughs> tape? You know, <laughs> I like that thing. Let's go over there. Like, <laughs> Because everyone hates Tumblr. I couldn't People on Tumblr it. hate Tumblr. Like, they're like, what are you doing? Every <laughs> single update makes this site worse. You're, like, actively trying to get rid of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm a librarian, too. So I, I loved the very orderly, like, organization. Like, you just read your friend's page, like, by mm. chronologically, like, by date. Or you could, like, click in and see. But Tumblr is, it just feels, like, so chaotic. And there's no good way to, like, organize things and, like trying to get back to something that you saw I don't know I never oh, no it's I could impossible. never deal it yeah 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 it's a yeah no it's it's a whole mess um and then like suits oh no sorry bandom I can't believe I almost skipped over bandom <gasps> oh god bandom. bandom was also massive lots of traveling and you know um I'm pretty sure oh yeah I pulled in tons of queerest folk fans I was that person <laughs> that was like I found something new I got to bring my besties over. <laughs> you know, we've all got to enjoy this. And like for one, for my best friend in that fandom, like, oh my God, it was really a process of weeks of me, like slowly adding things <laughs> and be like, why don't you read this interview with Pete Wentz? He's pretty cool, right? <laughs> And then you slide some RPF in there. Like, come on, it's it's good. It's oh, good. You, you don't start at that hardcore. You have to, like, maybe show some videos where awesome. they're like, friendly with each other first, right? Um, but, yeah, yeah, totally. And we sort of floated over to MCR. and But, you know, it was like a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that sort of, I'm not going to say it died for me, but it, like, really went sour when the drummer left, uh, Bob Breyer their their second drummer when he left it was kind of like oh like it was yeah it it kind of depressed me so I just like stepped away for a bit and then um got involved again with like suits and yeah then in one direction had to come in there yeah that's basically it yeah so those earlier fandoms and I think I guess you you kind of end up running into the same people over and over again 
or the same types of people over and oh, over again. Oh, yeah. The same yeah. types of people yeah. for sure. Yeah. And then I feel like some people you would see over and over mm. in specific fandoms. Yes. <laughs> like this person veers towards sci-fi-ish, so they'll go over there, Stargate. Oh, go my back God. Far, scar, star, uh, yeah. Farscape, you know. Farscape, like, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All of those. Yeah. And then you have the people that go supernatural and then like, yeah. Well, the, the whole super hulak. Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 I've avoided all of those. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's not like I can be smug about it because I slipped into the banana pie, you know, at the end. It's <laughs> <laughs> like I, I'm no better than anyone else. I got trapped even worse. We're, so. we're all fans. We're all fans. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but I, I think one thing that I would say about the, some of those earlier 2000s, even mm-hmm. like early 2010s-ish oh fandoms, God, yeah. right, is that... Um, they were kind of self-contained in a lot of ways. Like um, it was on live journal and even Tumblr to an extent is their fan platforms. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think what happened with one direction is that it migrated to like platforms that were mainstream, like Twitter. Yeah. It started on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah which is, I think, a big part of the problem. And at the time on Twitter, when it was new enough that people were not being careful (laughs) about anything, right? Yeah, yeah. So there was was a lot of access for a lot of things that when I think back on now, I'm like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Like, okay, you guys were just following all the parents and then like digging up like pet accounts and just like, okay, this is a, yeah, this is a lot. I think they're all much more um, guarded now, presumably. Yeah. Um, it has, you know, a purpose. So many of them are in the public eye by choice now. So, um, when it's almost a two pronged thing too, is that not only did, we have, ac- well, I say we, but, you know, we have access to all these celebrities and, and band members and family members and stuff, but the companies then have really easy access to us. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's the part which you highlighted in your post. And I was like, yes, that I think gets left out of the story because it does make us all uncomfortable. That is, that is one of the big things that I, I just kept getting so angry at, at all the manipulation and <laughs> like all these things and I'm like, oh, well, I'm not gonna say no one cares because it's like we all cared obviously but it, it's like yelling at a cloud you know you're like yeah. the old man yelling at a cloud because well then the- people get mad at you because you're harshing their vibe yes
maybe you can give us like the sort of capsule version of One Direction's history for people that may not know who are listening in. Well, they were put together in the audition stages of the X Factor UK in 2010. So they all five, Harry, Louis, Niall, Liam, Zane. And uh, so they all auditioned as solo performers. But uh, Cowell or whoever it was was like, no, how about we just put you guys all together and now we have a group. And that is how they got that Twitter um, following because they were on the air all the time. They had video diaries. There was just like a lot of that stuff. And so there was like a global fan base that, that popped up fairly quickly. And the, they didn't win because they weren't the most popular, you know, in the UK, but they were big enough that they got signed to Cowell's label and were launched you know, they, they had like a massive launch and they used a lot of that fan support. But they would they would check in with fans on like, what do you like? What Like they would seek advice from them, which I think is so strange to think of. Was it, would they do like, would they like ask on Twitter? Like, or... No, they would create like actual groups, like in person. Oh, wow. Like focus yeah. groups? Yeah, that's the word. That's the word. Yeah, they had focus groups. They had like certain. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was like a whole thing. Yeah. In in different countries as well, because I know someone that was involved in like the Germany one. So at first it was very much like that. And I think once they succeeded with the first album, and I think that's one of the things that they're always like, oh, 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 their debut album became number one in the U.S. charts. And it's like, yeah, because they had fans already. They built the fan base. (laughs) Like, this is not like some sort of, wow, genius. <laughs> and everyone realized the genius is like, because they built the fan base. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, it's, it's math. Um, but yeah, so they had four, you know, they were worked like horses, five years, five albums, five mm. tours, um, world tours, obviously. And then by 2015, they were like, okay, at the end of the fifth album, which I'm assuming was probably what their contract was for. Um, they were like, oh, we're going to go on a, on a hiatus, an 18-month hiatus. <laughs> yeah, just 18 months. It's, it's nothing, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which was a lie. And yeah, now they're all solo performers, except for Zane. I feel like he's more a solo musician, but he doesn't perform. But the other ones all are all doing their thing. And yeah, that's basically it. I feel like that's definitely a capsule. The short, the short overview. Yeah, because I, I do touch on One Direction in my big episode on the global history of boy bands. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, I don't know. The thing about One Direction that st- stood out to me like as a non-fan, because I watched their, that documentary. Um, this Is Us. Yes. And they all seem, number one, miserable. And <laughs> number two, I don't know why that is not what I expected. I, yeah. <laughs> they all seem miserable, and um, they all seem kind of scared of the fans. Um, that was, and and also I think there was a real disdain for the fans coming across, not from the the guys themselves, but just from the production of oh, the, sure. yeah, like a real disdain, like a pretty big disdain you could sense from the filmmaker and from the production team um, Morgan Spurlock did that one yeah and he was apparently uh not a fan 
Well, you know, if the paycheck is yeah, paycheck's you know. a paycheck. But but yeah. So my, I mean, my impression of One Direction is, um, I I never liked their songs, just on a musical level. I didn't think they were very good. And yeah, the, the guys just always seemed miserable, and the fans were crazy. And that yeah. was my impression as an outsider. And it wasn't until later when I realized that. There was this whole other world kind of underneath what sort of mainstream audiences like myself um, were seeing, which was this world of this narrative, you know, this almost a soap opera, like the story. And depending on who you were, it was like the shipping or OT5 or whatever, like your whatever your conspiracy theory was. Yeah, exactly. And I definitely and I call it that for everything. I know people get upset they want to call the shippers the conspiracy theorists but i really feel that everyone that has like a really strongly held conviction based on you know their selective reading and you know what the the theories that they've adopted is you know in a conspiratorial mindset and i don't mean that as a like uh, conspiracists but like let's just describe what's happening and conspiracies you know where we think that this is being covered up and you know all of that i'm like that's kind of what we all think we think we have access to the real we know what the real them is or whoever you know the real her yeah. or the real like and uh i think it's good to remember that that really is just what you've based like i mean that's just your yeah. <laughs> that's just your opinion that sounds so rude but like it is from you it's not actually necessarily real so the way I've tried to, the lens that I've tried to look at it yeah. at and when it really started making sense to me, for me personally, was I've been following a lot of cult content, but also all of these peripheral people who do mm. research on, um, you know, attachment and this and that and that. And there's a psychologist by the name of Yuval Laor who, um, yeah, works on love, basically, the feeling of love. And how those feelings, I mean, they're just feelings, but they still cause all of these reactions depending on um, the connection you have and how it can be triggered by something, right? And it's basically the same thing. And I think I used this term in my paper, but um, it's like an awe experience. It's like, you know, like parents meeting their baby. And, you know, it can happen at birth. But if you're adopting a child, you still feel like, this is your child, you know, because you feel it really like it's it it happens internally. And to someone, you know, looking on and be like, whatever, uh, sure, sure, you feel it. But it's like it's it's a feeling that's there. And that is the attachment that then, you know, continues to grow. It's just like it's something that can be applied to so many different things, I feel like. And it's just like, yeah, when I started to think of it in that way, then it made more sense because it's like, oh, I remember thinking I know this is real because I can feel it. Mm. I feel that this is real. How could it not be real? Like it's when you know, you, you know, oh, I trust this person. Of course I trust them. I could never think of anything bad because your insides are telling you that, right? And you have a really hard time differentiating logically between, because emotions, experiences can't be, you can't argue someone out of that. If someone feels like they've seen a ghost, like you can't argue them out of it. <laughs> they've experienced that, you know? No, it's true. It is true. Yeah. 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 No, love is, love is a powerful emotion. It is. Mm -hmm. 
I don't think it's like that for all fandoms, obviously. But I get... No, it it is... Well, hmm, I think it can be that way for a small amount of people Mm -hmm. in some fandoms. I mean, I, I would bet there are people... I think there probably are still people who, like, love unconditionally, like, the actors from Supernatural. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, too, I always see the pe- – here's the thing, though. Everyone who hates them and still blogs about them, why are you doing that? Because you still have this attachment that you need to either – either you're angry that you're still feeling yeah. attached, which yeah. I was definitely there for a really long time, yeah. um, and being like, I'm so angry that I can't step away, even though it hurts. <laughs> like, you know, and then you're like, why am I doing this to myself? And you're like, I am doing this to myself. And you're just like, what is happening? And uh, if uh, so, this woman wrote a book called uh, Fear, Love and Brainwashing. And that's also about attachment, but like within groups. Right. And she explains that once once this group becomes both your comfort and what hurts you that's when you become stuck in this cycle and you can't like you've been hurt but then you're like but this is where i go for my comfort so that's where you end up stuck in this thing where you can't well you can get out but it is a very emotionally fraught situation basically and it's probably hard to do on your own as well Mm -hmm. you probably need outside support or at least other interests to kind of take you away from it yeah 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 that's interesting i i haven't gone down that route but um yeah my so one of the things i've done a lot of reading on is uh religion like i'm a big karen Mm -hmm. armstrong stan so (laughs) she talks about these two concepts mythos and logos Mm -hmm. where you know logos is sort of the real world science you know the scientific method um facts things that you can experience directly and you know you can test a hypothesis and see the outcome it's the real world but then you know we also need this mythos Mm -hmm. um which we have let as a modern society kind of atrophy um but these are the stories and the narratives that we tell ourselves that can be very profound, but they aren't necessarily like they're not true in the way that it's true that gravity works, you know? Like, well, I'm just thinking yeah. of the Flat Earthers documentary. I don't know if you've seen it, but no, I think it's, I haven't. Okay. So it's called Behind the Curve. And it, I think it's really good. And I don't find it condescending necessarily. No, I don't feel like it's condescending at all, actually. Which I think is great because you like you don't really learn anything by making fun of people, first of all. But there's a whole thing where they try to do an experiment to prove that the earth is flat and all of the results are being contradicted. I mean, like yeah. they're like they're being proven wrong, like over and over. But they're like, but this can't be right. Yeah. No, there's something wrong. There's something weird happening. And this is something that happened even with Heaven's Gate. I feel like I heard a a story where they were like, oh, if we buy a telescope, we'll be able to see the the spaceship coming. And they returned the telescope because they were like, it doesn't work. Like, yeah, we well, didn't the, see anything. So there's this um, great case study um, called When Prophecy Fails. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a book from like the 50s, but it's all about this UFO cult, right? 
Mm-hmm. And and essentially they, the researchers were looking at, so, okay, so what is going to happen? You know, they have an end of days date, mm-hmm. which clearly the world, I mean, the world is not going to end on, you know, whatever day this was. And it didn't. And they were like, well, so what happens after that? And, you know, they found that, that people just kind of doubled down and they're like, okay, well, the, yeah, like there's something wrong, obviously with whatever, like, okay, well, the actual end Or we is, saved it, like we managed yeah. to stop it. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, so they just, it, not like, not even a direct contradiction of the world not ending when the prophet said it was going to end was enough to dissuade them. They they accepted the cognitive dissonance. Yeah. And it's it's just, you know, the human brain can just do all of these things. It's wild. And you don't even have to to be, you know, necessarily like in a UFO cult to experience no. this kind of when prophecy fails. Captain There are doubts regarding your ability I follow a lot of true crime and it has really helped my understanding of the people that are involved, not necessarily the, you know, the sleuths. I mean, I'm sure they've got their own thing going on, but a lot of times, you know, when it's someone who's, you know, very clearly guilty and, you know, their parents are just like, they would never, I will fight to the death. Like, you know, and you're like, yeah, you literally can't see it. Can you like, you cannot process that that ha- that that would happen so you just won't accept it and you're probably never going to be convinced because the cost of accepting that would be too much and they just can't live with it yeah oh, so they go the other way that great documentary about oh is it, there's something wrong with aunt diane oh aunt diane yes oh my god that's yes it's the same thing where you know like pretty is clear you know that she was something happened on that mm-hmm, fateful mm-hmm car journey if anyone hasn't watched it um it's about the there was that really awful car accident um in was it new york state i think um where a woman driving a minivan full of kids down like the wrong way down a highway and i mean i think like 15 people were killed or i mean it was something maybe 10 people were killed but um the documentary kind tries to unpick what happened exactly mm-hmm. and I think the conclusion the filmmakers sort of lead you to is that you know she was having some like tooth pain or something and um somehow ended up just out of her mind on like <laughs> like drugs and alcohol in an attempt mm-hmm. to dull the pain and um, you know, caused this horrific accident, but her family members can't bring themselves to believe this. Yeah. And they, yeah, they really fight. They really fight to kind of hold, 
hold their image despite all the evidence saying that, well, she caused this like horrific accident. Well, even just like talk screens, right? Because yeah. I feel like they were like, yeah, had very high blood alcohol levels um, and all yeah. of that stuff where it was actually there. Um, and yeah, that's a, that is a really good example. And I feel like that film came out before the big wave, like the mainstreaming of true crime, mm. where now what I find a bit scary is that everyone, and sometimes it's, you know, a very just causes because they exist as well. There are just causes, um, but there are also people that just, you know, are believing something that goes against reality. But everyone has the same platform kind of, and they can collect followers who are like, holy crap, that's so true because they're being given like, you know, this thing and that thing and like, and then, you know, it kind of spirals out of control. And I've heard, I've act, and I, I kind of want to figure out a way to write about it, but I don't know how, but I've now seen a few times where actually like the family of the victim has started harassing people oh and God. like caused them to like, yeah, got them in legal trouble. Like they got people to lose stipends for college and stuff like that um because they are so convinced that these people are the bad guys and they're being like why won't anyone stop them like why is no one listening and then you know people believe that so they start to jump in and i follow a few people where i'm like even they get insane hate where i'm just like i actually don't understand how you could think this in any universe but you really believe that i guess while you're sending this you know really angry accusatory message to you know this survivor of a murdered child like what like it's the thing where people are like oh they're just trolls and I'm like I think they really believe it mm. and that's even harder to deal with because then it's like you're not just dealing with yeah just trolls that are just like for the lulls like it's yeah. people who think they're on a righteous path yeah it's I mean, I I do wonder how much of this has to do with kind of the flattening of mm -hmm. the internet and mm -hmm. to these sort of mainstream channels. Because, you know, if you think about it, if the this true crime, like obsessions and whatever, were confined to like Usenet forums, I don't think it would have the same impact as when they're gathered in these mainstream, whether it's a Facebook group or... Oh, yeah. Um, Facebook, Reddit. Yeah, um, yeah. I've heard a lot of stories from Facebook groups where I feel like a lot of podcasts who had Facebook groups and they would be in them have like left them because they were like, it's too like they can't they can't be available through there because it just becomes so insane. Yeah. And yeah, even podcast hosts will get a lot of shit. But then at the same time, like some of them spread misinformation. Some of them aren't researching like and then you get into this thing. It's like, wow, we now have a million podcasts about one case, depending on which one someone listens to first, that's the narrative they're going to probably believe the strongest. Like, it's just like a whole, yeah, it's what you're saying. It's the flattening of the internet. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter what your perspective is. You are going to find people who agree with you. Yeah, well, and the lack of gatekeeping, too. And yeah. not gatekeeping in, like, a negative sense, but gatekeeping in a sense that... You know, in, I mean, as a librarian, right, like, it, you know, you learn how to evaluate sources, you learn how to read academic papers and say, like, oh, well, this is clearly garbage. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. You know, you learn how to look at a survey instrument and say, well, they're leading you towards this 
result, like this paper's worthless. But when you have people that don't have training in these areas, but they're, they have just this interest or this theory that they're convinced that they're right, or they, you know, they just, for whatever reason, just like the attention. So they, they just set themselves up saying what people want to hear. And there's, there's no arbiter of who, who's correct and who's incorrect. They're just all out there and you pick the one that makes you feel good. Yeah. Basically. They sent me out on a midnight train in the rain, rolling down through the dusty plain. Four men sitting with an old shotgun, silver stars pinned on everyone. They busted my mouth for to get at my tongue, to see just how this had all begun. So I opened my mouth like a dragon's breath. I only spoke truth, but it only brought death, and I laid those boys to rest. For the truth in truth is a terrible jest For there ain't no road but the road to home There ain't no crops but the ones you've sown And if you learn one thing from me You better guard your tongue like your enemy Well, so (laughs) let's talk about uh, shipping kind of in this context because so one of the things um, that I, I noticed specifically about One Direction fandom, um, but I, I think probably comes out of bandom as well, is just insane, like, RPF shipping. Mm-hmm. That is encouraged by both the the company um, and the promotions and all that, but I think also by the, the members themselves to an extent. Yeah. I always wonder how much, like, I'm always wondering, like, on the scale, yeah. how much are they toying? How much are they, like, oh, more money or, you know, or or just, like, yeah, I'm always wondering, like, what, how does that equation work, you know? Um, not that I will ever know, but <laughs> it's just, you know, one of those, well, one of those you know, unanswerable questions that you're like. Who you know? knows how much the, the members themselves even know? That kind of stuff is kind of hard to quantify. Yeah. Um, you know, and how much are they told to do? That's the other thing. Yeah. But because I, f- I find this sort of RPF shipping that goes just beyond like, you know, coming from Star Trek, right? Yeah. Like the the Kirk Spock or whatever, mm-hmm. like that's sort of the, the baseline for Western fandom. But then, you know, you get up through um, like <laughs> Supernatural and people are shipping the actors together. And do you think... I, I will oh. you keep your train of thought if I ask a quick, yeah. quick question about yeah, that? Yeah. Okay. Do you think, and mm-hmm. I have wondered this because I never got, like I tried Supernatural and it was just not for me. Yeah, Do you think that the focus on the actors is because they're brothers in the show? I mean, I know there are people that ship them as brothers, uh, but I also know that a lot of people do not like that. So I'm like, did they just oh, compensate by going... Oh, Just that act. could be. Um, that's a pretty good theory. Um, because, yeah, the the incest thing is not for everyone. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good theory. But but anyway, so I was going to say, like, the, I, I think this RPF, one of the things I find so fascinating about it is that so much depends on the search for clues. Mm-hmm. And like looking for clues and looking, f- taking small moments um, via like video footage or like said in interviews 
and kind of taking them and creating a narrative and creating like your own just like story about like whatever secret love like because I used to love (laughs) reading like giant evidence posts like Mm-hmm. You would find like these massive like evidence posts like, okay, so, you know, here is why I think that these two guys are like banging IRL. I I remember, I mean, I don't know if they were worded like that in Bandom, but there was always like uh, primers, I guess, for couples um, where they would be like, yeah, because Bandom was so... <laughs> encompassed so many different bands and like you would never be like it would be very difficult to find someone who was who loved them all equally like I can I guess it's kind of like finding an OT5 but harder <laughs> because it's like there are just so many of them uh and there's gonna be weird like yeah rivalries but not nothing like they never blew anything up in the press, I feel like, which is, God, what a relief, because yeah. that would have just been, what a nightmare. Um, so, you know, it's it's impossible to have someone who knows everything. But you'll be like, okay, well, I want to learn more about this random interband pairing. And then someone wrote a primer, like, here's all the times they interacted. So you can have, like, yeah, here's all the photos, and here's this time they mention each other. And you're like, oh, okay, you can sort of build an idea of, like, they do know each other in this universe. Yeah. And then band them, because they would all tour uh, together so often there was lots of moments you know lots of people knowing each other and um I remember Pete Wentz had the he called it a gang with Mikey Way and that was one that people were super into and now I'm like oh I think people actually believe that <laughs> <laughs> like they, I they probably really did believe it you know um and there's like a few of those like multiple like I yeah. know that Gerard and Frank is like the big one and yeah. Pete and Patrick obviously they still get asked questions I've seen that I'm like oh my god <laughs> wow who is letting this through <laughs> like <laughs> but uh, oh yeah sorry Ryan and Brendan too obviously but Ryan yeah. has been out the picture for like a decade now so <laughs> yeah but there's still truthers out there but I don't think that they think they're still together I believe that they're all like it was a long time ago and things were sad, but great, but sad. Yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. Um, that stuff going on. So I think, you know, that, but again, I feel like Bandom was also pretty contained to like fan oh God, yes. spaces, like really to fan spaces. So none of this would have, like if you were just watching like videos on MTV or, um, you know, reading like the teen magazines or whatever, th- all of this would have gone right over your head. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, NME wrote an article. I managed to get the original article. (gasps) Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, I was looking for it online. And the people were like, why don't you just ask the writer? And I was like, that's it. Probably white. (laughs) Oh, okay. And yeah, so she was on Twitter. So I just like asked her and she was like, oh, yeah, sure. So she emailed me both the published version and her full draft. Um, but that was about Slash in uh, the UK bands, which was wow. also a big fandom, yeah. but also, as you say, contained. Yeah. So it didn't really cross over with, um, let's just say emo bandom. I'm not going to be so rude to me, like American bandom, yeah. because yeah, there's yeah. so many other, you know, bands that where the fans, you know, consider it to be bandom. I realized that that was like a big thing after a while in bandom. You're like, oh, people are mad that we're calling it that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize this was okay. So it's like, no, we have to be very respectful. Yeah, so this uh, this was an article about how, yeah, people were slashing them and they were talking about how they're like, yeah, sure, why not? Love it. Love a bit of, I'm like trying to think of British <laughs> words for like, love a good snog in a, in a fic, uh, yeah, or whatever. Um, so yeah, they were encouraging it. I don't think very... <laughs> I don't think they had as much overhead in PR as what was going on elsewhere. So I don't know how much of like forethought there was in their, in their like general acceptance, but um, it also was very different from what it is now, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my impression too, now looking back is that it was a lot of like, Oh, fans like this. Yeah. All right. Hey, this is fun. Like it wasn't all that serious. It was just kind of like, you know, playing up that homoerotic tension that has been around in bands like since forever, you know, but making it a little bit more explicit and kind of using it as a way to engage with fans directly. But yeah. I think um, as as we move into One Direction, you know, so much of this gets mainstreamed and a lot of the context is like sort of taken away mm-hmm. and it just is just this massive free for all. I mean, the big push was for Larry, obviously, oh, and yeah. press and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you would be bombarded with that, even if, like, if you're reading pop culture, you're going to come across, like, and it's just, like, insane when I started seeing how it was all over the place. And I was like, why are you guys doing this? Do you realize this is encouraging them? Like, what's going on? Uh, and I think also the way that the label dealt with it was, mm. like, really bad. Because they really did, well, if you, I don't know if you've read one of those posts, but like there was like the whole thing about how it was like, we got to separate them. And I'm like, it sounds insane. But then you look at the statistics and you're like, it's actually true. <laughs> like they would pair up every single boy, yeah, but never the two of them since like 2012. And then like, like all of these weird things where you're like, it's probably on purpose. They're like, don't encourage them, but also yeah. encourage them unless... In less like official worldwide <laughs> content, you know, yeah. the content that we're using to PR the band, like we can't really be doing that. Like, don't encourage them with that. But, but we can. Uh... And fan content or really yeah. like, yeah. Well, and I think you made a good point too in that what like one of the big differences with One Direction is that all of a sudden it is in the media. Mm-hmm. Um, in so if you're reading Entertainment Weekly, if you're reading ONTD, if you're reading. Um, I, guess I mean, what, I saw like, stuff on MTV, like yeah, Jezebel MTV. or whatever. Oh like, my God, yeah. yeah. And so all of a sudden you have 
you know, as we get into the 2010s, you get these writers and other, um, you know, content creators looking for easy content and taking it from these fan blogs because they're so accessible. They're so accessible. And they know they're going to get hits because they're... King of this. Yes. Mm -hmm. No, BuzzNet. BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But BuzzNet was a thing. I think not that. But but so then you get like, you know, the posts that are like 10 times um, Larry... Uh, like 10 top 10 so Larry real. moments or something. Yeah. Yet. And it just feeds all into it where I think, you know, a decade earlier, you would not have that for like the top 10, like for Ferrard moments or whatever. You might say, I feel like the closest you would get would be like the bromance of the band is great or whatever. Like it would be like staged in a way that's like, yeah. Yeah. Like in a puff, like in a puff piece or something. Yeah. Like teen people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're all friends, which I feel like is definitely one of the big draws. And I know that like the record people and those people like don't really they're always like, oh, the girls want to F them. But like when you look, I mean, even with BTS, I feel like the fans often Mm. like really love the relationship between all of the members. Like it's like this is a. Yeah. And that's something that I think a lot of times um, male culture writers sometimes don't understand Mm-hmm. Um, is that female fans, we don't necessarily want to like fuck the guys. Um, but for whatever reason, we really enjoy watching male camaraderie. And a lot of times, like when you do have um, like movies featuring like a whole band or like a whole boy band or whatever, mm-hmm. um, there'll be one girl. And usually she's not paired up with anyone she'll just be like part of the gang she might be someone's little sister or something but that's kind of like I think that that relationship where you just kind of want to be like adjacent to all the guys that are having a great time together yeah Um, I mean it's the like it's the vibe not to use the word that's been you know really hated on for the past few weeks because of some random piece that came out but yeah, it's like the vibe. It's like, oh, my God, I wish I was there to experience these highs, you know, and then with that encouraged ownership and mm. not enthusiasm, but in initiative, maybe like that you feel an ownership over yeah. the successes, right? You're like, we did this and maybe yes. not as no, self-aggrandizing. No, as no like- it is. It is that self-aggrandizing. <laughs> and I um, in my boy band piece, um it's episode 36 for anyone listening. Um, but I pulled out this old book from, um, it was Barbara Ehrenreich and two other writers. I don't remember from the top of my head. I can link it. Um, they talk about like the Beatles, right? And that first wave of Beatlemania. And they talk to a bunch of um, fans, like original fans, like from the time. And, you know, one of the things they do say is that, you know, the, being there in those arenas and feeling the power of the screams you know drowning out the band you know that was that was part of the appeal almost like we were powerful like we did this and that's I mean that's a real thing like that's a real part of like being a boy band fan is like (laughs) screaming screaming so loud that the, the that you can't hear the band I mean definitely I feel like that's still going on at the concerts these days um oh my god yeah yeah yeah, but with the shipping specifically and like the clue hunting 
Um, I find that fascinating because I did, uh, I don't know, like I, I went looking through like some books and things, but I couldn't find anything like specifically on like searching for clues and, and like cult think. I don't know if you've encountered anything. I mean, I think they are connected, undoubtedly. I don't know. I mean, I'm hesitant to say that people haven't written anything about it yet, but I also have not really found things. That's kind of why I try to sort of connect the two. But to me, it is it is the same thing. And I think I think that's part of the problem as well with like it's so accessible and you're online all the time, which we all are. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's yeah. We're all online all the time. And if you're on Tumblr, say, and, you know, you've got your interest uh, bloggers that you follow because you're like, I like this band. And then, you know, they're like, oh, look at this. Could this mean something? And you're like, oh, I don't know, whatever. Another person is also like, yeah, I think in a different perspective. And suddenly you start seeing all of these people interacting with each other's ideas, their own interpretations of what we're seeing. And that's, I feel like, when it starts spiraling. And you'll have the first wave that's like, yeah, but it's just a joke, whatever. Let people have fun. <laughs> then you have like a second wave that maybe believes it more. And then you have like a third wave that is completely removed from all of what even happened and is just consuming the the fan uh, material that is talking about the theory, basically. And are like, oh my God, this is real. They're hiding the truth. <laughs> like, yeah, yes. That, and I think that, that um feeling is way more powerful than if i mean because imagine if you know in in theory um that larry was real right and they just came out and were dating that would not have the same impact as all of these fans hunting for clues to prove that they were dating because it would there would be no there's no um Oh, there's no ongoing yeah. uh, treasure hunt. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. There's no quest. Yeah. There's no quest. There's no clues. There's no crumbs to follow. Um, and because I, I see, I see the same thing playing out um, in BTS fandom. You know, like they have two big pairings, and um, they both have like, you know, one of them is more popular in like Japan and in Asia and the other is more popular like in the USA and like the West. Um, and depending on the, uh, region, you may find like different shots are used <laughs> like for things. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty, I mean, it's pretty blatant, um, so that they're wild. pushing these two pairings. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. And the thing is, is like if, if, you know, in theory, either one of the pairings was revealed to be true, I feel like it would just, it would be like a deflation. Like people would be like, oh, that's great. And get be really hysterical for like two weeks. Yeah. And then lose interest. If the treasure has been found, yeah, like the reveal is there. And like, what's at the end of the day? Like, you're still alone in your bedroom. <laughs> like, yeah. you're not dating yeah. anyone. <laughs> no. Well, there's definitely, there have been a lot of, you know, quote unquote, tin hats that have been right retroactively. But I think the most present day example is the the youtubers uh dan and phil and i'm like well what happened (gasps) to fan after after that nothing like i i never see them on tumblr like i don't see fans on tumblr anymore ph fans um i mean i'm sure they're around but um obviously it's not the same thing 
And also, I think it was a very, I mean, as far as confirmations, that's not really the dream. <laughs> the dream way to, to uh, yeah. Can you just for people that may not know, um, oh, so... who aren't terminally online like I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I didn't even follow these guys. But I didn't I... either, but I, it came yeah. across my timeline. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Dan and <laughs> Phil, who were YouTubers and who would film together. And I think they were roommates. Um, I think that was part of like the like evidence. Um, and I don't even know what their YouTubes were about, but I know that people were really obsessed with them and were like, oh my God, they're totally dating and so on for a few years. And what happened is that one of them came out like at, at a certain point, I don't remember which one. And then the other one, because I can't like, I don't know which name goes with who, like I can see, I can see this. and I can see this guy's video, like I can see his face and even the, everything he's wearing, but I'm like, I don't know which one it is. Yeah. And the other one posted like a really long video as well to come out like, uh, I want to say a year later, but who knows, because I wasn't following this, you know, I yeah. was just encountering it in the wild. Yes. And I believe in that video, it was mentioned how difficult it was to have so many people just like watching you and, you know, the pressure that that creates. And it's like, of course, but you wouldn't think of that as a fan because you're like, you don't think that they see you, mm. right? You're invisible. I think people still really believe I mean, maybe not like logically, but they still behave like we're kind of invisible, at least on Tumblr. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think people do still behave as if they're invisible or that is that we're all still back on, you know, this locked live journal communities when everything is out in the open. The companies are watching. They are watching. And they are using this information to feed us back what we are telling them that we want to see through our posts, through our videos. And they're also, they're feeding us, they're feeding us content. Um, again, like based on what, what it is we say that we want because they want our money. <laughs> yeah, you know? 100%. And I think... <laughs> I mean, what's fascinating with, and, and I saw this in the newspaper before mm. I even was interested in One Direction, but it was like one of those year-end things in 2015, and they were like, oh, Trumbler has crowned the most popular couple for the year, and it is Larry Styling. <laughs> and I'm like, huh, that's weird. And I just like, kept flipping or whatever, you know, not even really thinking about it. But then afterwards, you're like, you think, what well, does the label see this and go yeah. like, well, we got to figure out how to... Like, yeah. What are we doing with this? <laughs> like, you because know? I can't imagine that you're in the year 20, well, I mean, what was it, 2015 or whatever. I mean, even today, 2022, you're, um, you've got a, a popular property or a, a property you would like to see popular. If you aren't on like AO3 checking the tags My, to see what yeah. the most popular pairing is, then you're stupid. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's what they're doing. And you know, it's, it makes you wonder what some of these fandoms that we were in earlier, like Buffy, what, what might have changed with more fan feedback, you know, would that have been good or bad? Like who can say, but I think, you know, it's just a very different relationship with the fans. A lot more of that Roswell, the Firefly, um, that, that real feedback loop, you know, for better or for worse, that's where we are now. And I think, I mean, maybe some some fandoms understand this, but I think other fandoms really, really don't. 
and I think that's a big problem. I try not to interact directly with Stan Twitter currently because I'm like yeah. I'm I'm one Same. you know <laughs> I'm like I'm one you know wrong wrong word in a tweet away from like you know yeah. being, being yeah, besieged again. Um, well, you why don't we go through um, what happened to you, mm-hmm. and then um, yeah we can because we got up through like. One Direction taking the 18th month hiatus. Yeah. And then you discovered them. <laughs> yeah, I discovered them. <laughs> and I mean, my impressions were uh, Harry's an asshole. Uh, Zane left. I knew that because that made like I that reached me. I don't know how I was living in a completely different cultural sphere because I was like, it's so funny that you say like, oh, you didn't care for the music. Like, I don't think I ever heard the music <laughs> until I started listening to them. So, uh, and I don't know how, like, I don't know how that, but that's just how it was. And I saw like yeah. a bit of news here and there. Um, and so I was like, I just randomly was poking things around. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, these people have very different opinions from <laughs> from what I have and you know I'm reading posts and this person is like yes like that's the true them and like don't feel bad for being wrong because like an anon is like oh my god I've been believing all these lies and I'm like these people are very hardcore about this (laughs) is like me reading like cool cool like but not (laughs) knowing any better at that point beyond just like what the um what they were presenting so it's like yeah they're super hardcore seems unlikely like they would be like well this guy is involved this super manager and he's been involved for years and people think he's only there for harry but he's gonna take the band and he is gonna fucking they are gonna smash everything like you know like (laughs) you know you know uh illusions and dreams and and uh glitter of just like yeah and it's like "Uh uh-huh sure and then you start seeing their evidences obviously and you're like wait a minute (laughs) Wait a minute. Um, and because, and this is something I didn't find out until much, much later, because there was so much, there were so many cyber stalkers and people who had no concept of boundaries who would hack into um, travel emails or I heard about an IRS account that was hacked into. They got somehow, I had heard about the airport video, but I hadn't seen footage of it until like just this year 
But yeah, I had heard that like, oh yeah, people hacked into the security cameras at the airport so they could watch them sleep in the VIP lounge. So, <laughs> so people had access to a lot of things that they should not have access to, but they would use it as like, you know what I think? I think someone's going to show up in Miami. It just feels like, I'm just like, I just have a feeling. I just have a feeling. Yeah, because you saw the travel booking and you know that, <laughs> like, you actually know that that's happening. It's not your power of prediction because you know them so well. But once you start stacking up all of those things based on, you know, facts that they have, yeah. then the false predictions don't really matter as much. Because you keep going back to the ones that were right. And you're like, but how, but how did they know that? What? Were there fans in retrospect that you could tell, like big fans that were either in contact with like a PR person or somebody that was feeding them information to disseminate? Um, it's very hard to tell in that way. What mm. I can be able to tell is the ones that were very clearly brought in by other BNFs. It was really interesting. There was like a shortcut to BNFdom. And that was you start off as like a clever anon mm -hmm. at, on someone's blog. And usually this is all pre-planned because <laughs> like, they're not just going to randomly start endorsing someone. Yeah. Uh, but then it's like, oh, I just made a blog to make things easier. And then it's like, hey, everyone, why don't you go follow this person who's my amazing anon and gave us all of this info, you know? And boom, you're you're a really credible source until you decide to just dip out. <laughs> Which yeah. is, and I've seen that so many times. And they're just repeating the same, uh, like, what people who don't believe us think is blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, cool. Just keep. So there were the, were there like clicks of like big name fans or? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. There, yeah, was, yeah. Um, there were even, there was like a lot of mythos as well because there was one user I think they said they were part of a PR, like they were, they worked in PR or something. But a lot of the stuff they posted was actually like, a lot of it was true. Like it was about astroturfing and, you know, people like that was the blog that made people realize that people are actually looking at you guys. So a lot of people were like, oh, that was, uh, that was an intentional plant. Like they wanted to make us know that oh my God. blah, 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 you know? And there was like a lot of speculations, like something that I now have seen because I go digging through the archives because I want to have as comprehensive of a picture as I can. I don't want to, you know, only work off of my fandom time. <laughs> and it is so interesting to see how, you know, if you're scrolling, if you're going through the Tumblr archives of a blog from 2011 to like 2014, like you see the shifts in the fandom and it's fascinating um, so I know that something on that blog that was a big thing. And this is an, this is a belief that was very strong within my subgroup as well. And, and it's, it's very laughable when you live in the present day to think back and be like, people believe this. And then I will say people still believe this. So, but that they were like, oh, you know what? Harry doesn't like fame. He doesn't like being famous. He doesn't like being the front man. They're going to switch front man to Niall. Because Niall is the most popular in America. Is that true? It was at the time. Wow. Yeah, he was the most okay. popular. I will say he is the one I like the best. 15, so, like he <laughs> tracks for this I, American. I don't know why. Like, is it the like? It, it's just like, and I think it's one of those things where it's like, no idea why. I mean, he's blonde and Irish. What's not to like? Like, 
you know, I don't know. He golfs. He has like, a great voice. <laughs> yeah. Like he's just, you know, he's out there doing his stuff. Uh, okay. Bye. Um, so they were like, and obviously, because look at that. He's getting all these solo interviews. And it's like, oh, my God. I mean, sure, maybe they're trying to tap into the popularity, but they're not. <laughs> First of all, they're not thinking about changing anything because this thing has an expiration date, like, yeah. <laughs> according to them, like, you know. But, yeah, people were like, really believe. And, yes, there's, there's def- there are still people who believe that a certain someone is being forced to do everything he's doing. And... Listen, he said he doesn't like the word famous. Well, then what Chris. else do you need us to say? Like, <laughs> it's right there. Why would you believe? The evidence before your eyes of um, yeah, because that's, <laughs> dating that. Taylor yeah, Swift. Just, <laughs> no, whoa. because everyone who hates being oh, famous dates they Taylor, hate Swift. Taylor Swift. <laughs> no, no, no. That's Taylor's fault. Oh, God. Okay. God. And side note, there are still hailers out there. Oh, no. No. There are not that many. Wow. Okay. But there are some. And you're like, wow. Okay. I found you. Woo. Okay. <laughs> this, is, this is weird. This is weird. Alternate okay. reality. So, but by the time that you came in, I guess in a lot of the narrative must have been about, and the clue seeking has to have been about comeback, right? Like, when are they coming yeah. back? Well, and also like... And I think, and it's hard to know exactly what was going on behind the mm. scenes, but there was always these things where you're like, and people would be like, oh my God, four out of four are in the same city. Are they secretly recording something? Like, that's a clue alone, that yeah. they're all in the same city. Yeah. That's like, oh, they're totally hanging out right now. <laughs> Quick, somebody hack the like, security yeah. footage. <laughs> Truly. Or if they're in the same city, but they're seen separately, then it's like, oh, did we just have to see them apart to prove that they're not hanging out? I, I get it. I get it, media. You're trying to fool me. Like, <laughs> stuff like that. And, uh, but like, they were all, well, I say all three of them were always, whenever they were asked, were always very like, no, of course we're coming back. Like, yeah. so I sometimes wonder, like, I don't really think they necessarily knew well, either. That's, I mean, that there is precedence. Like, I don't know how much you know about NSYNC. Oh, yeah, but so I, I mean, you I, I know, went into that, but retroactively, but yeah, I went yeah, into that. Yeah, because you know, when Justin, for people that I may not know, like Justin essentially left and broke up the group, but the other four did not know that at the time and were told that they would be reuniting um, in the future, which just never happened. So, I mean, there is precedence for that happening. And JC was really... Oh, he got screwed over big time. Big time. But they all did. You know, they all put put projects on hold and, you Mm -hmm. know. um, So, I mean, they all got screwed over. I mean, you lose the time if nothing else. Yeah, and momentum. Yeah, and time and momentum is so important if you're coming out of... A, a hot project, yeah, a hot project that is also reviled, <laughs> like. Well, and that has a, a time limit. Not, yeah, yeah, it's uh, because uh, I think that's something that you know, um, as boy band fans, I, I think it's hard to accept. But you know, boy bands are not they're popular with a certain demographic, but there's it's still a subculture. You know, it's there are very few that actually have. <sighs> that have any kind of clout or, or name recognition. Um, but then I also wonder about that, mm. like, especially the name recognition part, because 
I always wonder if if it's because how much of that is because of the promotions departments of different labels that are just like, well, we already have a fan base. We don't need to really do anything. Yeah. And like just the press in general, because there's so many people I've spoken to. Well, not recently, but over like the past five, six years or so that were just like, oh, yeah, I used to love Backstreet Boys. But then they broke up and all of that stuff. Right. And it's like, no, they're still out there. They're performing. Yeah, They've been yeah. releasing albums. They are. They have sold out tours. Like, so obviously they're doing fine. And there's some of their new material is pretty good. Um, I had to watch it on a Japanese music show, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like an even new edition is out there right now yeah, and yeah. hustling, you know. And I'm like, well, obviously these people are fine. Why are we pursuing this narrative that, oh, losers over there? We got this one. That's that that one works. These other ones are losers. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, it's so weird. Like, why not? I mean, I know why, because it's too much money to, for one label to have, you know, four different um, single artists. Instead, it's easier to consolidate all of the fans into one. Yeah. Because um, then you don't have to keep working. <laughs> like, you know, you can just easily consolidate it. But it's not benefiting the audience. You know what I mean? Like, it's... It's not to my benefit that I didn't realize that Take That reunited and that actually Robbie Williams and Gary Barlow are on great terms now, despite having been so vicious to each other in public. Like, you know, and I'm like, wow, growth, people can change. Like, <laughs> you know, that that sweet feeling of like, oh, wow. Like, even that Backstreet Boys are still around. I'm like, that's fucking amazing. Like, I think it's it's very impressive. I mean, they could quit tomorrow and I would still be like that they even got to this point is... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm still holding out hope for an NSYNC reunion concert, which I will put down real life cash to go to if it ever happens. Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not a fan enough to know what the what the behind the scenes uh, situation is over there. I, so I, I think like JC is like a no. <laughs> yeah. I, I think so. they have to convince JC. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, wow. Which, fair yeah. enough. Fair yeah. enough to him. Oh, you know? I am like, yeah. <laughs> I listened to his his talk almost at interview, but I'm like, I'm not sure if it counts as an interview, really. But the talk he had with Lance on Lance's yes, podcast. Yes, on Lance's podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, and how Lance was just so like, they treated you horribly, and he was just like trying to deflect it. And it's like, but you know, you just had to like stop being angry about it probably. Yeah, um, yeah. Because but... I'm sure it doesn't help him to relive all of that. No. Um, and he's got, I'm sure he's happy. He's got a beautiful girlfriend if Instagram is anything to go by. Like, he's fine. He's fine. Now I know you think I must be faking. I promise all these things right from the start. So don't you rush into the making. Cause I just wrote the song to tell you my heart. Yeah.
yeah, we don't want to we don't want to lean too much into like <laughs> tragedy, uh, like over over emotional side, and that's all so long ago now. But that's also a problem, right? With fandom, is that you can go right to some old time and just like it's like it never. I think that's part of the reason why shippers are still very active. As long as there's old material, they can just keep recycling it. Well, and again, the flattening of the internet means that you can come across um, a YouTube video from a decade ago that's like top 10 Larry moments with 5 million views on it and watch it for the first time like, you know, without any... And if you if you don't glance at the date and you don't say, oh, this is 10 years ago, um, you know, it may as well have just happened now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And that just reminds me of a really prominent Wendy YouTuber. I think she's deleted now because she got bullied out of the fandom, but she would make solo videos and band videos, but also a lot of Larry videos. And at one point she used uh, a solo Harry song and she received a notice. You know how like you get the notice that like we identified this song as yeah. belonging to Sony and the, I don't even know the words, like the money will go to them. Like, you know, the copyright will have a thing. So she received a notice and it said like we identified this and that and the revenue will be split with you. So... <laughs> <laughs> and that was a big proof like for that side which to me was like oh this is shrewd <laughs> like, like this is fucking shrewd you probably lose like two dollars yeah and uh and you've got you got a really riled up fandom like yeah yeah that was one where i was like wow okay well so this what is business what happened to to that fan why'd she get bullied out oh because she's a larry fan <gasps> uh wait and larry's got bullied out Oh yeah, there was like a huge, <gasps> there was a huge schism um, between so-called aunties, anti-Larrys and Larrys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like it would be. It was one of those things where if you reblogged from an update account, you might get a message from someone be like, "Do you know that Larrys are moderators of that update account?" Or the reverse. Did you know that like those oh. are aunties? Like yeah. It's a very, and aunties would yeah. not participate in fan projects that were created by, and this is actually where my experience comes in, like five hours later. Um, so there were always fan projects. And I'm always like, listen, if I believe in what the goal is, I'm all for it. And I think you're going about it ethically because there has been some questionable things out there where you're like, I don't think this is a good idea. I'm just going to like ignore it. Um, but like, if there's, if there's things that seem good, I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do it. I don't really care, honestly, who I'm signal boosting for charity donations, you know, but there was always a lot of vocal stuff. And then when, so my schism happened and then, well, like, I, yeah, I guess, I guess, I, I guess I should probably say that like what happened is that once Harry released music, it was like, oh, okay, we were wrong. <laughs> and what year, what year was that? When he 2017. His... Okay. And do you remember the month? Oh, yeah. Um, the commercial dropped on March 25th, which is the same day that Zayn left and that he released his album the year before. Big day in the Wonder Direction band. Yeah. So every time, like, so even like 2018, 2019, like people are like, oh, my God, what's happening? We're approaching March 25th. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, 
we're gonna be fucked again um yeah so so I still remember that very clearly um and also because there was Liam had just announced his baby being born and Louis was performing at a festival Niall was probably well Niall had already been releasing singles at that point and the Niall fangirls were angry that people didn't well it's not that he wasn't taken seriously people really loved his music but no one when he released music was like oh so One Direction is over now and they were like, why do you keep saying that it's only over if Harry says it's over? It's like, because he's the one who has all of the big guys on, like, obviously, like, how do you not, it's not a diss on Niall. Like, it's- yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing. Harry had the star power because I knew nothing about One Direction and I knew Harry Styles. You know, he was the front man. Yeah, because they really, I mean, once you start looking at the archives, it's pretty insane. Like, they pushed that really, really hard. He had like a hundred candidates in years where the others got like, I mean, this goes back to the the super manager getting involved because you notice the shift right away and then you suddenly see, and like they went to some award show or like trotted out to receive something and then they kicked everyone out except for him. Like I, to me, I'm like, this was fabricated. So like from the start in a way that is so disgusting that I'm like, wow. Wait, so wow. fabricated that Harry was going to be like the big star like they were going to, because that is a thing that happens where you have the boy group, right? Oh, you just make it happen. And it's then, not like he's going to be the big star. It's we're yeah. going to make him the big star. Yeah. Like, yeah. Where yeah. there's no like, oh, maybe it won't work. It's like, no, no, we put in enough money into <laughs> this. Like, we're just going to keep pouring money in until it starts coming back. And you kind of leverage that boy band fandom into the solo star. It's the the Robbie Williams trajectory, if you will, or the Justin Timberlake trajectory. Oh, no, no. Plot yeah. twist. It's not the Robbie Williams. Robbie really? Williams is equivalent to Zane. Oh, he left okay. the group okay. All right. slash was kicked out. Yeah, yeah. And Gary Barlow was the star. Oh, okay. Yeah. But because that got, Robbie got, a, like, like when I say I went digging into like, <laughs> <laughs> No, this is great. <laughs> I mean, I'm I not a like, take that wow. expert, so I, I appreciate well, I, it. Like, I liked Robbie Williams's music and I was like, I don't know, I guess something there. Like I was not paying attention to any of that. Like he yeah. was probably like looking back, there's a lot of really horrible things. Like he was very brutal, uh, vocal publicly, like at award mm. shows, like dissing Gary, like being like, Oh, that fucking has been like just being incredibly rude. Um, and Gary's first album actually did really well, but then he, if I'm remembering this correctly, he signed up to be managed by Simon, Simon, who did the Spice Girls. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. And it was like at the same time as the Spice Girls were getting big. So this guy has no time for him. So he sends him over to the U.S. and he gets chewed up and spit out, spat out by Clive Davis. And in the meantime, Robbie has been staying in the U.K. and, you know been just been grinding over there you know and then and then he I mean Gary's story is pretty sad he he uh, was very depressed for like a really long time um but he seems great now so um it's all good but like reading the books and then even just seeing him and Robbie talk because they've released the song together and everything so they're quite I mean even if it's just for PR I'm like you're doing a pretty good job of faking a, a reconciliation <laughs> like, and I'm like I don't really have a problem with that because that's nice and hopeful <laughs> like you know? yeah Mr. Barlow 
uh, Hello. friendly neighborhood, JC. I can Houston. see. And uh, we're doing duets because we're bored in the house. <laughs> and so I figured uh, we both have a song called I Want You Back. So we should sing. I guess now it's time. because that's what I do. And there was so many documentaries and then you would have them talk to each other. So there was like a documentary that they didn't want to do because I will go deep. I read Gary's books. <laughs> I like reading Robbie's books and then I'm watching all of these things. So then they're discussing this documentary that the label wanted them to do for the anniversary. And they were like, uh, like, no, no, we promise it's going to be good. It's going to be good, blah, 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 blah. So they do all these things and then it ends with like, they're supposed to all meet up at this place. And the, the whole thing is like, oh, is Robbie going to be there? Like they've been leading up to it, the whole thing. And they get there and he's not there, but he sent a video message. And they're all kind of like, okay. And then you find out, like, because there's a later interview and he's like, no one, no one told me to go anywhere. They're like, we're all sending in messages for each other. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. Like there's no, they're like, wow. what do we want the message to be? Like that's what, like, yeah, it's crazy. And you're like, geez. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just goes to show that, I mean, so much of this is, is manipulated. And, and I, I think that it really is detrimental to fans um, of all of these groups that, that they don't recognize this. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I really try to hammer home to people is that, look, what you're being shown about like the quote unquote music industry or, you know, how things work behind the scenes and, and all of that. It's, I mean, it's kind of real, but it's also not real. Like you're not in the boardroom. You're not in the rooms where they're making decisions. What you see has been filmed and edited and, you know, specific frames picked out for you to watch and to send a certain message. Yeah. Um, and, and like if you can't accept that if you can't accept that sometimes incidents are going to be staged like like that one and that sometimes um and this is something that i've just noticed even when because <laughs> i wrote something on disney and i noticed when i was doing <laughs> i was trying to find the actual press release that they sent out but i just kept finding all the articles that literally just copy pasted the press release <laughs> you know so i'm like yeah. Jesus Christ. i'm like if people realize how often 
like especially in music press where there's like you know they get paid what like five dollars a day i don't know but you know they're just like putting up content they just need to keep putting out tweets keep putting out like a short article yeah it's and if you have competing narratives like even just like what Nicki minaj and um uh who does she have like a beef with right now Oh, I don't even know. But yeah, but it's... Yeah, like but, if you just have yeah. competing narratives yeah. in any way whatsoever, you just have two opposing like press releases, you can get like two completely different stories. Like it's crazy. When what happens a lot of times is everyone just consolidates around one narrative. And so you'll oh, get... Because yeah. I, I have, I think I've got a post up where I talk about this, but you know... um, like during the uh, Black Lives Matter protests in the summer of 2020, like um, BTS made like a million dollar donation um, to the uh, BLM Foundation, which has now been, <laughs> you know, under some scrutiny over where these funds actually went. But I mean, that's another problem <laughs> of living in this world, right? right? Like, but the but the um the press was all essentially just like a copy paste of the press release. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. you can Google like if you Google it, you'll just see like the the news articles come up, and they're all worded essentially the same way. Yeah, like there's no you know, and on the one hand, yeah, like who actually cares in the grand scheme of things? You know, I have to write five articles for like Jezebel today like oh here we go just copy paste rewrite a few things done Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but the problem is is that the fans you know the the fan base takes this all as like proof and evidence and it's Mm -hmm. well it's true because it's in the news Mm -hmm, mm um with no further literacy media literacy of like um you know well this is a somebody getting paid like five dollars to copy yeah. and paste the press or like even from the company. or even like back behind the scenes connections oh, um sure. yeah. if you look at like for one direction fandom that's like daily mail and the sun are like the tabloids right and everyone knows those are trash tabloids yeah um but sometimes they actually do have true things because plot twist <laughs> they're friends with the label pr like one of the worst ones and he doesn't even write for the sun anymore but um, he would always get all of the 1D exclusives and they were almost always like horrible. Like they would be insulting. They'd be like, oh, look at these <laughs> talentless losers. Like, I don't even know like what it was so bizarre. And people would be like, why is he getting all of these exclusive? And then you start looking at Twitter and you're like, oh, he's best friends with their publicist. <laughs> what? Like they're traveling together. They're yeah. celebrating birthday. And you're like, you want him to write like this? Like what is happening? what and then you start being like what is what is like what how 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 then do you know like well what has been you know leaked on purpose or is like there's just so many layers that you're like yeah well then you you get to the point like what is the official narrative getting pushed what is um just somebody's personal you know personal um agenda Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and one of the interesting things with bts is um they've or their company has created um this their own sort of mouthpiece Mm -hmm. um outlet called weverse magazine and what weverse magazine does is essentially set the official narrative for the fans and so like they had um that's wild (laughs) it yeah it's pretty crazy like 
And so they had this one post um, when Dynamite came out about, um, and that was in 2020, right? So they had this article that tied, explicitly tied Dynamite to the anti-disco riots of the 70s to, um, you know, anti-black discrimination in America, <laughs> like, like all these very explicit connections that we as fans are supposed to be experiencing, right? Mm-hmm. But um, as an objective outside viewer, it, it reads like crazy talk. <laughs> it, you know, you're like, what What sane person, you know, like this is all insane. None of this makes sense. But oh but for the fans, you know, they take it as like, oh, yeah, look, it's it's an official publication written by like a real music critic. Um, you know, like retweet, I have retweet. So proof, many of proof, these. Proof. Oh my god! And it's it's crazy. Yes. Yeah. So they have this magazine basically to set the official agenda for fans, um, which is pretty wild. Attention! Your attention, please. A news flash has this moment arrived from the Malabar front. I've just like we've we've had like an amazing very interesting conversation but now I'm like oh I didn't even really say what happened (laughs) oh yeah yeah no look we're keeping we're keeping people looking for clues stringing them along oh yeah this was this was yeah absolutely we've been studying at the heel of the uh the most talented the masters (laughs) the masters of narrative um yeah so we were we were like yeah of course Wendy love each other and they're all coming back which okay had a chink in the armor way before well, it had multiple chinks. Yeah, I'll, I can I can return to that if if it's at all relevant. Um, but yeah, and then once once that music was released, and you're because it followed a very particular, like he had an ad released, and it was like echoing Adele. And this is something that had kept happening where the like the label chief is like, yeah, this is the new Adele. This is the new Prince. It's the new Freddie Mercury. The new Adele. The new like, and you're like cool it doesn't sound like any of that but okay um i'm not sure how you think a like a debut artist is gonna fit all of those things for you but keep going i guess uh but you know it was a very intentional big launch using this the song title was sign of the times and it was released at the anniversary of prince's release of sign of the times which was also his first album after he left the revolution. And their press release was very much like Prince and Harry Styles, Prince and Harry Styles. Think of them as equals or whatever. Oh yeah. So this is partly why I'm like, Oh my God, like the level of narcissism is beyond the pale. Well, I I have stuff to say about this, but continue. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just like, I'm not against the idea that people are as brilliant as Prince, but I'm like, you get there after like, well, you have to earn it. Number one. Yeah, it's not really like a, a label you can just slap on someone. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it, it be, suddenly became like, okay, this is happening. How do we, like, I can name people who were like, if this happens, I'm so done because he's not the person that I thought he was. Like, like people were, are very invested, right, in their versions of people. 
but the dis like the importance of being there in the fandom the cognitive like whatever it doesn't matter what they said they're like no we have to stay like we have to get on board we have to like this is happening okay we're doing it we're doing it we're switching gears entirely and a few of us were like i don't know what's going on i don't quite like this and you know we're just like chilling out on our blogs thinking that we're just like complaining amongst us 10 people in my case at least and um I was like, so there was this big troublemaker <laughs> in the fandom. She liked the post and I was like, uh-oh, that's not good. <laughs> like, that's not good. You don't want to be seen by this person. And I was messaging a friend and I was like, wow, I'm, uh, I'm a bit scared now. She's going to be mad. And she's like, oh yeah, well, you know how she is. Like, whatever. She's always starting drama. It's probably fine. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool, cool. It's probably fine. You're right. And I was like, oh, I've been blocked now. I'm like, wow, that was fast. Okay. Well, it's probably, you know, nothing for me to like really get concerned with. And um, so I'm just like minding my own business. <laughs> and uh, and I believe it was a day that Niall was performing because like, you know, at the point I'm still like, listen, I like all of them. I'm going to reblog some Niall gifts. Like, you know, I can be mad and also appreciate Niall at the same time. Except I couldn't because every single gift blog had blocked me. And and I was like, what is happening? Oh, like, my like, God. I was like, I can't, I can't re, like, huh? And then my friend was like, I'll go check it out and see what she's saying. And she's like, oh yeah, she wrote like a whole essay, uh, she's being stupid, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, okay, is she being stupid? Because people seem to be listening. And I actually didn't read the full post until like a few years ago because I was too, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think scared. I could do it. I, there I was are... too scared yeah sure. people wrote things about me that i'm like i can't I'm well this just, because this yeah. was the the you know the thing the er post yeah yeah i was yeah. like i feel like i at least should know what's going on you know so i'm like an ur villain who is like running around on different sites leaving mean comments um or being like this is a song about evil like i don't i don't know i don't even know what like what my purpose yeah. would have been like who does that <laughs> well no it's and because this happened to me too where where you know what you said as a perfectly rational or you know even emotional post you know gets mm -hmm. taken completely out of context you get re what you've said gets reframed in a way to make you a villain um to suit whatever the need of fandom is at the moment and so, so all of the anxiety and insecurity and um, doubt that people have been feeling can then get projected onto you. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it happened to me. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, yeah, it was pretty clear. It was like, if I ever see this username or anyone mention it, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, it's an immediate block and unfollow, even if it's, you know, years long mutuals. I'm like, wow, I'm really toxic. What is happening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Um, and that was after there had already been like a massive uh, fallout between the big name fans. And that was when I did include a quote from that in my piece where it was like, this is just, I try not to like, I, yeah, I don't want to be, I don't want people to feel like they're being, you know, pinpointed or anything like that. Cause I very much wanted to be like, no, this is a reflection on what's, yeah, what's been going on. But it was like a quote that was like, if you're not on our side, like you're letting down every single LGBT artist out there, like basically. And so, you know, that's a lot at stake. Yeah. 
that is like Dis- despite the fact a homophobe. and like, correct me if i'm wrong despite the fact that not one member of of one direction has come out as gay we're still letting down all lgbt artists oh yeah but it's not about them it's about harry specifically if we don't make him happen because he only has one chance right which doesn't apply to any of the other ones apparently like if you're like well should we be supporting liam's first shows and they're like no we need to focus on harry and it's like what he already has all those people behind him like it's homophobic to not support him (laughs) okay oh my god yes yeah yeah um a lot of this sounds really familiar (laughs) and it's like and i did i did uh i did have to put that in my post that it was like yeah no he is he is also as as the others has not claimed yeah any type of identity within the queer umbrella um and and, yeah not even yeah yeah um but they are they feel very strongly about it so (laughs) so they feel very about it and i think so my thing was very much just like, I don't like these lyrics. They refer to like, they're using, like, I don't even want to go into it right now, but it's like, it's like, I don't like them, blah, blah, blah. And I think, and there were a few of us. So there was a few of us that kind of got ousted around the same time. And then it just started going for people who simply did not blog about him. Like these are people who were like, I don't like the songs. Like literally just, they just don't even mention him. Right, they're right. blogging about Niall and Louie and they're over there with like this and that. Because you're like, oh, wow. Like, you just don't want anyone to, like, not be on board. Like, that's literally it. And you will use any excuse that is sufficiently bad. You, you can't argue with people when they get... Because, you know, I, I made that mistake myself, um, trying to talk with people and be like, well, you know, what were your concerns with what I said? And mm-hmm. just getting these unhinged responses just you know that just don't make any sense and i'm like this is nothing to do with what i i posted um and they're like no it is i know oh my god when i started seeing that because i yeah. thought you could read with them too no yeah you can't <laughs> you can't the thing is like yeah you know at the time i was like okay people are angry with me okay you know what i'm gonna respect i mean yeah. obviously very upset but like i that, can't yep. like don't mm-hmm. project your own blah, mm-hmm. you know thing thing. Mm-hmm. and it's like and then I would try sometimes to message some people and be like, I'm sorry if, you know, I don't know. I don't think we've ever interacted. So I'm not sure why, <laughs> like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And oof, no, they were not happy about that. And that was seen as an act of aggression itself, right? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, DMing is aggression. DM, so. sending an ass. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, it was like, you are making me feel unsafe. And I'd be like, what? And then, so then you become a predator as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... And I don't think most of those people are even around anymore. Oh, I'm sure. And well, I'm sure they've all moved on to BTS. Um, oh, yeah. A few because, of them are 100% over there. 100%. Yeah. And, you know, because that's something that, you know, when the more I went and looked at it, I mean, the timing really lines up where mm-hmm. you do get kind of the that implosion of fans is kind of tired of waiting right around the time that BTS is really starting to kind of bubble under in yeah. fandom spaces, in American fandom spaces or Canadian, you know, like the, the sort of North American, um, yeah. British, whatever, Anglo, Anglosphere um, fandom spaces. Yeah. And um, I, I really strongly um, think that a large chunk of fandom migrated over and they brought all of the same 
Well, they did what I did. Them. <laughs> they also like dragged people along yeah. from. <laughs> yeah. But like, I need to convert you. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Because because um, yeah. here's the thing that I find so fascinating listening to you talk about all of this is that um, so you know my experience really is more with um, Asian idol groups mm-hmm. who have a very different fandom like mm-hmm. very different ways that fans operate and it's not like this <laughs> you know <laughs> it's I mean there are some similarities in in some places sure but um it's it's not like this and one of the one of the things about BTS specifically is that they've kind of built their whole career very much the the fans have like the fans and the fan narrative um very heavy control right mm-hmm. so so when they were launched when they debuted they deliberately chose a smaller venue than there were fans to to give oh back, yeah you know that's how you do it yeah that's how you, yeah and so so there was this very controlled narrative of growth to begin with a lot of interaction with fans, a lot of like, we thank the fans for this. And then on the artistic side, a lot of um, really just sort of taking what had been done by other groups and kind of tweaking it a little bit, but in a lot of ways, just sort of following what the successful groups were doing. And Mm. it worked. And, you know, I liked them very much at one time. Um, But I think what happened is as they were getting this like bubbling under in sort of the anglosphere um in america specifically that lens turned from what other k-pop groups were doing to what one direction was doing and Mm -hmm. you know i and i think things like um tying harry to prince right Mm -hmm. um we have seen so much of tying BTS to like the Beatles, tying them to Michael Jackson, um, really trying to force this like lineage, this narrative, right? Mm-hmm. And things like, um, uh, like the love yourself messaging, which yeah. I believe Harry also had a uh, similar slogan. Um, oh yeah, we yeah yeah. 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 Treat people with kindness. Treat people. Treat people with kindness. Trademark. <laughs> TM. Yeah. Uh, love yourself. TM. Yeah. Um. But but a lot of that, and then just the um a real pushing of like these ship ships and in the fandoms, and it's it's I don't know. Like I really feel like they they took a lot of their cues from what One Direction were doing, and the fans move in very similar ways. So you quote, love unquote me Well stranger things have come to be But let's agree to disagree Cause I don't believe you I don't believe that because they tried to recreate all of that with Harry's career 
and they failed. (laughs) 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 They failed. Uh, I mean, technically speaking, and I don't mean by numbers because yes, the first, his first album cycle was, you know, if you're looking at, you know, sales and stuff like that was very successful, but it was also a massive failure um, because they did not accomplish what they wanted to. They were banking on Grammys. They were banking on so many things that like apparently soft rock was not what the public wanted. Like that's not apparently how you reach. Here's here's another thing too, because this is another thing with BTS fans is where essentially there's, they're, they're led along this narrative from the company, from the group that says, you know, the Grammy is the reward that we're getting right for all of this wonderful art that we've done but the problem is is that the music is terrible and so it's like it's that cog well i mean if you're outside you're like why are you leading fans just to be disappointed and it's hard to to say like well do they really believe that these poorly mixed songs with terrible vocals are good enough for a Grammy or is it another thing that the company's just doing to kind of again when they get that Grammy people are going to lose interest right it's you the treasure so? hunt oh That's yeah so 100%, 100%. I feel like and I could be wrong my first love was film and I'm still like I love I love film so much um so as a baby cinephile sadly I looked at the Oscars as some sort of you know yeah this is the approved, like, this is the best of the year, right? Not even this is the approved. Like, the this Grammys is the best have such a different reputation, though, than the Oscars, because I think the Oscars still do have that reputation of, like, the best. But the Grammys... Well, I feel like it's completely gone now. Really? Well, I think, oh, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, the Grammys, though, like, have been, like, fuddy-duddy and considered fuddy-duddy and outdated for, like, decades. There's like too much insider decades. stuff going on yeah. with the Grammys. Well, and then um, the joke, too, is that everyone gets the Grammy, like, 15 years after their last good album. <laughs> like, <laughs> <you know? laughs> See, I don't even follow Grammys close enough because, to me, I was it was always rewarding... I mean, I do love, like, I love Fiona Apple, and I feel like she has probably won one, and I know she was nominated <laughs> recently. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, in sure, general, sure. The, the artists that I like were not. No. It wasn't part of my <laughs> my consumption cycle. It's certainly nobody that's at the forefront of doing anything interesting, or anyone that's even remotely popular. Like, it's, you know, it's they're going to reward, like, Steely Dan and, like... Like blues that white guys like, like that's that's who gets Grammys. So, so I, what I was thinking is like with with the comparison with the Academy Awards is I feel yeah. like that they want that prelude, right? Mm. Academy Award winner mm. or Academy Award nominee or like Grammy winner, Grammy blah, blah, nominated, then yeah. You can ask for more money, and you will get more offers like immediately after. Yeah. Yeah. Well, certainly, and that's I feel like is the only thing that yeah. matters. I mean, certainly for um, BTS specifically, um, the one of the Tin Hat conspiracy theories is that um, they wanted that Grammy nominated. Well, they wanted a Grammy win so that they could be exempted from mandatory military service, which is something that um, Korean men have to perform by a certain age. It's such an interesting yeah. theory, and I'm yeah. gonna have to ask. 
my BTS fan, fan fan friend about this because she yeah she told me about that the military service and she was always saying and I was like oh so do you think they'll be continuing and she was like no they have to do their military service I don't think they'll be able to skip that blah 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 and I'm like okay well we'll see like if they're big yeah. enough I think I think it'll be fine <laughs> there's there's a lot of angles to this too where um of course, yeah yeah and and so there was a um uh, I won't go too deep into it but um I mean, some some groups do reunite and come back. We just saw a couple of big big groups do that, and a, a Big Bang is um, coming back in April. I remember which, when oh. Big Bang was like, I mean, it, it was like any other fandom, right? That yeah. was just like part of the yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Man. part of the yeah, ecosystem. I remember them. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, and I remember when. Uh, oh my God, what was that movie that was so. Um, I'm an android, but no, I'm a cyborg, but that's okay. Oh, yeah, with um, oh. Rain. Oh, yeah. wasn't that good? Yeah, oh. it was so good. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. wow, this is so cute. Yeah. <laughs> but, I think I um, film. So oh. I like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one, too. But, yeah. um, yeah, well, so anyway, uh, if, you know, if nothing happens, the oldest member of BTS is, has to serve, I think, this year. Like mm-hmm. 2022 has to enlist by the end of this year. Um, and the others can't be far behind. So there's a bunch of conspiracy theories like this, like this concert, little concert series is going to be the last. And then they're going to disband or go on permanent hiatus. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I forget But did they just sign to a new U.S. label? They did, How does yeah. that work out? <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> that is confusing to me. Okay, wow. Well, All yeah, right. it's... Yeah, it is very hmm. confusing. But that's the thing is that like, why would they do that knowing that, that all like they ha- all have to enlist? Like, it's very, I don't know. I mean, BTS fandom is so strange. Like there's a, one of the weirdest things about it is that there's such a strong um, core of like these big name fans that really enforce like mm-hmm. really specific mm-hmm. fandom practices um a lot That's of like so important to a lot of like yeah. thought terminating cliches mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like you like you know bts is seven um so basically if you're out of line like promoting one member over the others mm-hmm. or sing- singling out one you're like shunned as like a solo stand i mean wow. it's yeah it's pretty intense like and um they have all these other things but i've seen pretty big accounts get booted for like breaking the rules um but but this, wow yeah but the um the ot7 thing like bts7 is mm-hmm. so strong like enforced top down that i don't know like that's the thing is like if if one member enlists like what are they gonna do like <laughs> i don't know i mean we are at, a, at an era where people are now doing holographic tours well that's so. yeah because that's maybe that's a something we can finish up with because um yeah the hologram thing is very i don't know i find it very strange and yeah. uh i find it unsettling but oh but yes bts has there is a precedence they did use a hologram of a member in a performance when he was out recovering from um wow surgery. yeah oh my god they are already so and ahead of the curve they they um invested in a voice ai company so there you go yeah 
But oh, um, this is scary for th- yeah. for fan theories because this yes. is like you could yeah. anything is possible. Right, if you could say like it could be, you know, voice manipulated holograms. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. So one of the things that's coming out of like um, sort of the business side of K-pop right now mm-hmm. is something called fandustry, which is oh, wow. a portmanteau of fandom and industry uh-huh. and a lot of this is stuff that's um not music but like fan content right and so it would be as if um a lot of these dedicated platforms where fans can like interact with you know in theory the artist you know in reality is it the staff like who can say social manager yeah. social manager like who can say but but in theory it's the artist um there was one app called universe that got some pushback because they were do they were it was like you could call and get like a message it was essentially like a dating game message it was like hey boo like how are you and fans hated it <laughs> they're like no we don't want this oh my god but i think they're gonna keep trying to push this kind of stuff the fan industry like the like the fans are the the resource right it's not Mm -hmm. about the Mm -hmm. music it's not about um performances or concerts or whatever it's about mining those fans and keeping them engaged and um the fan industry i mean my conspiracy and we'll see you know i uh, with disney delivering ahead of schedule i'm like oh my god i was right yeah i I read your (laughs) I read your post. I mean, it's a bit conspiracist, but yeah, like, I was like, oh Look, boy. Sometimes uh, conspiracies are correct. They really yeah. are out to get you. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there that I didn't know before I started researching. I was like, Disney has their own government? What? Like, Yeah. What? But yeah, no, there you go. Um, but yeah, because Netflix is trying to do something like that where they're creating N+, which is like the fandom platform for all their shows. And I'm like, okay, so you're putting up DVD extras (laughs) and probably pushing certain ID. I'm like, that's not going to work. Like all of that content is going to leak out to the actual fandom. (laughs) And then on the one hand, it feels so heavy handed. And but on the and I'm like, how big can the fandom market like for this kind of dedicated fan market possibly be? I mean, it ha- there has to hit a saturation point at some point. Yes. I wonder, have you read the Lady Gaga book? Um, no. Okay. So I'm blanking on what the exact title. Oh, Monster Loyalty is the first part. And then okay. it has like a subtitle. So I'm sure you could find it. Um, I got it from the library. So it's definitely, you know, around. Because when this is basically what happened is like I got ousted and the excuses that people were making about what we were seeing made no sense to me. And I kept being so confused that I was like, I just have to try to see if I can understand what's going on on my own, which involved just like a lot of reading of music industry books and music business books and being like, holy shit, we have been played.
Larry was the biggest ship on Tumblr. And then if you look at AO3, they were the biggest ship. And this is, these people are in the, pro, uh, in the process of launching half of that, right? And they're like, we don't want this two thing. We need to shift it, right? Shift it to the one is the goal. Is, you know, from a business perspective, I get it, right? And that is also technically what happened because they are the two that were signed to Sony, so Sony can decide over both of their careers and the other ones got to flee. <laughs> <laughs> they were allowed to flee. And just the way that if you were looking at what was happening, and this is this is the problem, is that Louis, who was also on Sony, ended up being treated so poorly by the label that I feel like I was held hostage in this fandom. Because <laughs> oh I was God. like, it's just so bad. I was like, this is insane insanely bad and I'm like barely I'm like barely processing that this is happening like people were like no but this is what he wants he just took a label deal for show why are you pressuring him into releasing music and we're like what they're like you are an evil self like you know entitled fan like all this these are this is the same language you hear from BTS fans the same why are you pressuring them into releasing solo albums they don't want that um (laughs) Like, and just like this thing of like he's waiting out his contract I was oh like that's God. not how label contracts work like that is yeah. literally the opposite of how they work yeah yeah the longer you take to deliver the longer you are hostage if you're actually you want to put out like five really terrible albums like all at once just to get out of the contract yeah, yeah. and it's kind of yeah. like i feel like frank so like i ended up just researching so many past cases and all that stuff and frank ocean kind of did that he released his uh last album that he owed and then literally the day after he released his like independent yeah. album yeah <laughs> he's like fuck y'all <laughs> he's like okay cool. <laughs> cool cool story bro but yeah and then people are like are these the people that are considered in the know that are just like no of course but and those are the people that those are the big name fans <laughs> with the agendas that they put this out as if they're experts and a lot of times they do position themselves as industry experts they're telling you facts from yeah. an from an educated point of view that is what if you don't know anything that is what you think and it's all nonsense people can think for themselves i cannot believe you're suggesting that like yeah you know they're always like "Uh, no i'm not manipulating anyone and it's like oh that's funny because i have since found that secret blog that you guys were all convening at and deciding how to steer the fandom like you 100 percent were manipulating people I just, I find it really interesting that there was no label presence or management presence sort of in that cadre of, of fans, like, like helping steer. There could definitely be like, um, I mean, that was always a joke where it's like, who is the plant? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It ever like, yeah. When you are so reliant on a fandom for i mean because let's be honest if you weren't a 1d fan you're not listening to 1d music oh no for um, sure yeah because it's all very mediocre and oh, um so like this place market <laughs> this is the thing that i saw when looking at the past thing is yeah. that fans were also convinced like these fans they were like the mm. group is going to rebrand and like they're gonna you know be presented as like an actual hey. grown-up group and they kept yeah. being very angry at all of the 1d yeah. marketing this yeah. is like it's bad and they were like this is so bad what are like, you doing why are you marketing it for babies well that, oh and that's uh, actually we didn't we didn't touch on that but um i do think it's interesting that one of the the kind of threads 
of sort of contemporary like boy band fandoms like this or these where there are like they're nominally for teen girls right Mm -hmm. but the loudest fans are these adult women (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's like who really they want something specific whereas like in the past you know like oh why is NSYNC marketed to teen girls well I I feel like the majority of the audience probably was like teens you know Mm -hmm. Um, and you would grow up kind of with the group until they you know went their own way or whatever but um, with One Direction with BTS um, I think with with Twilight um, oh there was a lot of grown ups in Twilight yeah yeah like Glee where you have these something nominally for teens that the, these adults kind of latch on to and really want it to be, I don't know, to like fulfill their fantasies of of both feeling like a teenager, but also to suit more their more adult needs. But I don't know. I think YA fiction is something else that's been kind of captured by oh my this God, demographic. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah, yeah. That is so true. I yeah. feel like Supernatural falls into that as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think when they started the show, they were planning on having like a, a mostly female fan. Yeah. <laughs> like I honestly don't think that the demon hunting brothers and that have a strange relationship with their dad, I don't think they thought that was like, you know, a shoe in for the, for the ladies. But that's what it was. Like, you yeah. Know? Um, yeah, they've so had to adapt to that, however poorly. So I think um, that that causes some some tensions, um, like you were describing, like where fans they get frustrated. They're like, "Well, you know, we're not babies," um, but e- e- without that second step, is like, "Well, okay, but the group really is their primary demographic is sixteen year old girls, so my needs are should be secondary, but." But for whatever reason, like that second leap doesn't happen. Well, it's also like our needs don't actually matter, right? Well, yeah, that too. That too. Like, it's like how much, who will buy the most, right? Will give us, because, and that's a lot of the books that I've read have been very um, honest about that stuff. But it's like, okay, yeah, I needed, I needed this. And you're like, okay, yeah, the music is the loss leader, basically. Yeah. even just talking about Disney movies, they'll be like, what do you think is the 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 product? Is it all of this merch plus the spinoff show and then the the Disney on ice, you know, like all of these things that you can keep spending on? Or is it the two hour movie that you then download and your kid watches forever, but you don't make more money off of that? It's like, no, it's everything else around it. No, that's and- that's really true. And yeah, I mean, it. I, I think the more people understand that, that the music is not the product here. And I, I feel like this might've even been one of the things I got people mad at me for, (laughs) but like, you know, it's, it's not about the single and, you know, you can put the single at the top of the charts. Oh my God. Yeah. But if no one's easily, yes, so easily. But the problem is, is that like, that's not where they're making money. They're making money from you, you know, going to every stop on the tour, buying every item of merch, um, you know, it, signing up for the fan club. Like, I do think that um, they've managed to um, 
I mean, the money that they mm. make on album sales and stuff like that, I do think has a lot to do with, I mean, let's be honest, fans will buy 10 plus copies yeah. to help sales. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they will. Yeah. Um, even more if, you know, it's it's giving them an entry into some sort of contest or, mm. uh, you know. Well, one of the things that K-pop does, um, and, you know, to include BTS, is they have um, photo cards. And it's mm-hmm. almost like um, Pokemons where like you, you want to you want to collect them all. And they're sort of random <sighs> ones in the CDs. And so, um, well played. yeah, it's so a group will put out. Um, you know, to include BTS, BTS is just two. Like they'll put out multiple versions of a CD um, with different art, right? So there'll be maybe like three versions, each with a different art theme, different styling, different whatever. So you end up with three different sets of photo cards. Will it be one for each member? You get one in your CD. So it's like <laughs> you can trade for your favorite, but some people will get like, you know, they'll try to buy cds to get the whole set like it's very mm-hmm. yeah yeah oh they did that they did that with um oh my god there's like an infamous tweet that's like because they they've done that with magazines mm. five different covers oh yeah sometimes yeah, yeah. six because yeah. you want one the one with the there. whole group uh-huh yeah yeah um and they've done that with albums slash maybe single like back oh, with like I covers like, yeah you like, get the do cover? people mm-hmm. still Mm-hmm. Like our singles out there has like CDs. I don't know anymore. Uh, yeah. But yeah, because definitely... BTS released a CD single of Butter. Yeah. Yeah. So they would do that, and then it's like, well, immediately the, the people that really care are going to buy five. Hey, figure niggas, man. When I say boss, I mean that, you heard me? Yo. So fuck what I sold, my toilet seat solid gold. You should see my new palace, cause that bitch bigger than Lowe's. I'm an eight figure nigga. This was a really long winded way of like returning to the Lady Gaga book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, because that book was so illuminating to me that it it is literally saying 1% of the fans is who you should be targeting. Like, because those are the ones that uh, will be producing the content and then they, in def- like, in return, bring people in. Oh, producing the fandom content. Oh, you know, there was a great post. If I can find it again, I'll link to it um in the show notes but it was talking about how subcultures get ruined Mm. and yeah and yeah a lot of it was um so you know you have the people um that make the content and then you have the people that like support um Mm -hmm. support it so so you have the people that make the music or whatever and then you have that next layer of people that do the um you know that write reviews or they make um, you know, YouTube videos or whatever, like that layer of people. And then you have like the people that are just really into it. And, um, but then as, as it kind of blows up, you get people that are attracted to like the clout and you get the grifters coming in and you get like <laughs> the people that don't really care, but they'll suck. They like send something popular and they'll suck it dry. Um, and the looky lose and, and, um, and then 
soon enough, like the people that were just really there in the beginning are drowned out or forced out or um, the whole vibe like just changes. Um, and sometimes the, the original thing can change too. And they're not making the music that you liked anymore because that's not what because people... of the circumstances yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, if i if i find it i'll um link it it, it almost sounds like actual cycles of like hype you mm. know yeah where and i've been thinking about this a lot with like because i am and i don't say this with pride but i would probably be classified as a quote-unquote hipster especially when it comes <laughs> to like music and i'm not proud of it yeah. i have just like actually realized that holy shit that probably does mean me because <laughs> I will find uh-huh. I'll be super into that debut album and, <laughs> and like, oh, like now they're covering Billboard and shit. No, I don't care. I don't I don't care anymore. Well, and I truly totally just like don't care. Like I'm like, OK, I'm not well, interested. <laughs> I mean, some of that is hipster. Sure. But um there was this great i mean i know joe rogan is now like verboten or whatever but there was a great um interview he did with the black keys a okay. couple years ago Both of them uh yeah okay basically like the black keys were like look we were offered oh, i think they were offered they were offered some award or something and they're like look and if you get it you know that gets you on like top 40 radio like blah 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 mm-hmm. and they were like mm, no that brings a kind of fan we don't want we don't want this we want to stay at this sort of mid-tier level of popularity instead um i think to their benefit you know in the long run we've had opportunities to have our songs sent to like top 40 radio there was this thing where like if we if we won record of the year for Lonely Boy, Warner Brothers was gonna service that song to top forty. It would have never probably been a hit. But if we would have won to- that Grammy, it could have fucked our whole band up. I've seen it happen with lots of bands. Like you just kinda it just like you become like play school level. Yeah, but do you really think that you guys would change? Just, I, I think you no, probably dude, would it's reject not, it, it. We wouldn't change, but the thing is, is like you start ha- you start acquiring a fan base that's more fickle and maybe more annoying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. And this is something that I realized within Standom itself is that those artists don't exist to them. Yeah. It's like either you are, like you are the outsold or, you know, whatever else they say, like blah, yeah. blah, outsold and... Yeah. You know, all of those terms where you're like, outsold what? Like toothpaste or tickets at this venue? Like, like number one, nobody's outselling Michael Jackson. Like, <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> or the Beatles. Like, it just can't be done. It's just like, and it's always like random things too, right? It's like on a pop crave tweet that is not about yeah. Ariana, but suddenly all the Arianators are yeah. down there. Like, Ariana outsold. Yeah. And it's like, like, outsold oh, what? <laughs> is this rel- but does it matter? It's getting them engagement, pop grave, you yeah. know, like, sure. Um, but yeah, and I realized that and I was like, holy shit. Like the, the musicians who are actually out there. Just like grinding. Yeah. Just like grinding. working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't uh, exist. Yeah. Well, and then, and the ones who aren't part of their narrative too, because that's yes. something else. Um, yeah. One of the things that I, I thought was probably the most interesting thing for me personally, um, looking at when I was doing research for my boy band episode mm-hmm. um, was the Bay City Rollers, right? Oh, now, yeah. The, the Bay City Rollers were the most popular musician, artist, whatever, in the world um, mm-hmm. in like the mid-1970s. 
and they have essentially been written out of like the quote unquote narrative. They may as well have never existed. They fans like were would get so hysterical they would faint. Um, they were always like you had to have ambulances on hand at Bay City Rollers concerts because fans would get that worked up. Like they sold millions of records, um, but they may as well not exist. I think that it's, you know, it's worth looking back and also, you know, looking at how the current narrative is constructed and like in these tiny subcultures. And if you're stuck inside one, it can be hard to look out. Yeah. Like it's worth it. Like you need to, to get any kind of perspective. It's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And yet we're being, I mean, I don't even think we're doing it on purpose, but I feel like we're all creating echo chambers for ourselves online. And I do mean it when I say I don't even think we're doing it on purpose because it just ends up being that way. Like if I only follow things I care about on Tumblr, which like, why would I not? I'm only going to see a certain, like certain things, the the things that these particular people care to reblog at the time that I happen to be online, you know, um, so it becomes difficult and you can notice, I mean, <laughs> I feel like I sound like, <laughs> like a, like an actual tin hat, but I know that this is true. Like you notice when you've said a word and then you start looking at your like, you know, flipboard or whatever. And you're like, Oh, look at that. <laughs> Five articles about this thing that I only just mentioned and never have talked about before. Cool. Cool. <laughs> like, so even those things are, you know, and it, it makes you vulnerable to things like mm-hmm, fake news mm-hmm. because you know if all you're seeing is what you want to see, then it's it's hard for you to evaluate any information outside of that when it contradicts your internal narrative. They wanna get my on the to wrap up which is like so if you know if you were to get involved in another fandom or for people that are like considering joining a fandom or maybe trying to get a healthier fandom experience like do you have anything that you would do differently or that you would want to do differently or um any like tips or anything like that 
<laughs> not to put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, well, it is, it is something that I've tried to sort of think about because I've actually not been lured into another fandom, but uh-huh. I also do know how it works. Like, it's just like you might see something on TV and just be like, what is that? Oh, I really want to see what this is from, right? And suddenly you're like, oh, I love this show. But it's it, like when you're in there, you're there and you just want to see it. I think I would try to, I mean, I would definitely still talk to people I know and try to get them into it because uh, I already know where these people are coming from. So you already have that established baseline. And I would avoid, I mean, I'm doing this now still where I try not to necessarily follow people from fandom, but I will go and check on their blogs sometimes. But I find that when you're following, when you're getting that real life updating about events. I mean, it's very easy for it to spiral into like massive things because someone will be responding to that post and then suddenly you're looking at this and then you have these counter tweets and then suddenly you're just like seeing all of this stuff. And you know, it's like the soap is happening in front of you and like, what, how do you look away? No, <laughs> you know? that's, that's a really good point. Okay, so I just started watching um, this Thai language drama and one of the things I have not done is look out and like try to follow people talking about it. Right. And maybe that is something just to ke- sort of be aware of and, you know, sure. Check out conversations. And, you know, if you have an account and want to join in or something, I think that's fine, but, oh yeah, um, but yeah, just be aware of, of what you're getting pushed to you. Um, yeah. And maybe try to keep that at like a reasonable like maybe don't turn on notifications for AO3. <laughs> yeah. Oh you know? my god. Um yeah, I was just I just got into like a weird fight in AO3 comments like not too long ago. Yeah, they were going at it and I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> we were just like, please just stop. Just stop. Oh my god. Yeah, for like yeah. an old thing too, right? And I'm yeah. like, why are you getting so worked up over yeah. this? But I mean, that's the other thing I, I think maybe is just be aware of like the flattening of fandom and um, just maybe check the timestamps and dates of things you're getting into. And if it's from 10 years ago, like maybe it's not worth getting into a comment battle. Like, yeah, sure. Enjoy it. And if you want to leave like positive comments or whatever, but maybe leave past drama in the past or try to anyway. This is definitely one of the big problems with Tumblr is that you can delete your blog, but your posts that have been... <gasps> they live you know, forever? They are out there. Wow. Yeah. They will be out there until, you know, everyone deletes who has reblogged it, basically. Wow. So that, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's also why when people disappear, sometimes they try to change their username into something. Yeah. And they're like, they don't even want people to be able to find the old find what their stuff was. So yeah. they'll just like change to like zero to zero Z. Yeah. 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 So that they can somehow hide what, the, what they had out there. Yeah. But oh. yeah, it's out there. And if people yeah. correct things in the comments, the person who wrote the post can hide it. Mm. I mean, it's, it's very catered to your specific how you want to do it right but that's not necessarily good when you're looking at the scale yeah and the areas that it um reaches right yeah so i mean maybe just curate your social media yeah to and be be very yeah be very sparing about who you interact with and you know i mean keep a locked account if you have to um just to keep yourself from spiraling yeah 
Yeah. And I feel like um, one of my big tells that I was getting into deep was when I <laughs> was like, oh, I want to reblog so many things, but it would be so out of character for my blog. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I have to make a separate one. <laughs> and then suddenly it was like, oh, now I actually have full on have like a separate. <laughs> so yeah. And uh I don't know if Twitter has a limit of tweets you can have per day, but Tumblr does. Mm. Um, so that's like post limit. And people have backup blogs for oh when they hit God. post limit. Because there's just so much happening, like depending yeah. on the, on the day. fandom in the day. Yeah. 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 There can be so much going on that you're like, holy shit, I hit post limit. <laughs> you're like, I'm on my backup blog. <laughs> like, yeah. Because it's that constant commentary. And like One Direction had a thing where they had the One D Day, and I don't know if this is something that any K-pop groups have done, and it was a terrible idea. It was a live event that lasted eight hours, so it was all the fans were like watching it live, and like it was like just ongoing commentary, like for eight hours straight of just. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that's like okay, no, you're being indoctrinated. <laughs> like, they're making you watch an eight-hour thing. Like you're being, you're you're. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are some, I don't know. One of the interesting things with, with BTS um, fandom is that it, the, the turnover is really high. Oh, wow. And so there's been this ton of turnover. Like, um, I mean, it's pretty wild. Like the fandom is pretty new overall and it's been that way. Um, you know, what's so, wild? Mm-hmm. No, I was going to say, that's the Larry fandom right now, because they're still out there. It's, yeah, and so then they get indoctrinated, and yeah, yeah, they get indoctrinated, and then they're really enthusiastic, like diehard, and then they kind of, I don't know, like lose interest, or even just like move on to something else, and have a new obsession, I mean, and... It depends but... on your age, but yeah, there is there is that thing, like... And that's not saying like, because I know it it's sounds like an insult of like, you'll grow out of it, but it's not, it's not meant as an insult. It's just that, that your interest cycle typically, you know, follows a yeah, cycle. Sure. And that's where like for fandom, it's that they maintain that high fervor, you know, environment so that, you know, I might miss an update. Like I can't just like go do groceries. I have to keep checking in case yeah. something happens. So you get that like feeling of like, I have to be there. But if you get away from that, it's very easy to sort of be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Let me yeah. just go back to enjoying this normally if I, <laughs> if that's what I feel yeah. like. And I mean, because that's the thing. Being in a fandom can be really fun. It's really fun to talk to your friends. It's fun to theorize. It's fun to, um, you know, to watch videos and, and discuss things and read fanfics and write fanfics. But when you let it take over your whole life and your whole personality and... Um, it, it becomes a crutch in like a, it can, because fandom can also be helpful sometimes. Like if you're really in a bad place and you just need an escape, fandom yeah. is so good for that. And I think probably most of, most people listening to this will have experienced that in some way, whether it's sports or, um, music or video games. Um, but it's not healthy to kind of live in that escapism forever. And I, I think the fandom dynamics, especially in a lot of these fandoms today, are so toxic and so mm -hmm. vile. And I don't know, it's just, I, I mean, I guess my advice would just be to really curate who it is you talk to. 
Yeah. And just maybe hang back and, and watch and, I don't know, try to find some people you already know to discuss it with. Yeah. I mean, it is. And it's like, I, I find, I'm scared of fandom now just as like, because of the climate and the industry climate and oh, the yeah. platform climate. Like it is not fandom itself. And I find that that mm. is very difficult to see, you know, all these journalists be like, fandom is inherently evil you yeah know? which and it's they're not like, it's they're absolutely all deranged not. and it's like yeah it's like you don't actually know what fandom is you're seeing yeah these people that are reacting because of things that are happening behind the scenes you know there are because there are industry plants you know directing conversations in some ways and there are um people looking to pivot from um being a fan to being a paid content creator or to pivot from being a fanfic author to a real author and so you know when your post or whatever directly um contradicts or or gets in the way of somebody's like monetary desires like that's a problem and it's you know it takes everything out of this happy fandom space where we're just talking as like friends about something we like and all of a sudden my post about um hey guess what um you know they do script scenes in reality tv sometimes you know because it it contradicts what some somebody trying to be a um expert says i'm a problem now and i have to be you know shunned before my narrative catches on because otherwise no one's going to subscribe to this other patreon or whatever Mm -hmm. um and i think that dynamic is real and it's it's something that people should be aware of like beware of people that want to pivot to being uh you know content creators or um some sort of other experts like to see who's trying to sell you something i have a story you know? for you but i'll i'll save it for when we're not recording because there's, oh, okay. there's a thing like that where i'm like yeah like watching it in real time you're just like this is not gonna okay yeah. well whatever yeah i mean i guess that's like maybe that'll just be my final thought is that you know you really have to watch out for mm-hmm. look look and make sure that people aren't trying to actually sell you something and i would also say and, and I don't know if you agree with this, but um, that it's not always malicious. And that's the problem, too. It's just that people yeah. see things a certain way and they're yeah. just like, well, why wouldn't I want people to agree with me? Like, it doesn't have to be like, I'm going to, you know, convince you all. Like, it, some people are definitely like that. But sometimes it is not even necessarily malicious and they're still not great to listen to, you know, uh, fully. Yeah. Yeah, when you have somebody in your mansions for like days trying to oh argue my God. with you, even yeah. though their intentions may be pure, it's still really annoying <laughs> and also anxiety inducing. Oh my God. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, on that note, um, thank you so much for coming on to talk with me. Um, I'm sure we only like touched on <laughs> like a small sliver of the uh, very intense experience of being in a fandom, but. Was there a song you wanted to go out on? Um, oh, uh, or... oh, a different one from the beginning. Yeah, I just... okay. I Because I also, I could throw out um, the Culture Club, Church of the Poison Mind. Ooh, <laughs> which... yeah. Culture <laughs> Club is very relevant. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. Okay, yeah. okay. So um, this was Idolcast. Thanks for listening, and I will see you again next time.